Log Talk Radio. Are you ready? This coverage is live and uncensored, so if you have any small children present, you may want to have them leave the room. What's up, what's up, what's up? My Take Radio, episode 37, for Thursday, April 8th, 2010. I'm your host, Rich. Tonight's music was The Omen of Geneva. The artist is Neko Frog 1, N-E-K-O, Frog, the number one. If you'd like to download that or any of the music from any of the previous episodes, head over to ocremix.org. The call-in number, as always, is 347 324 Three five four one. All right, let's get into a little housekeeping. Last week, of course, was a uh, a great episode with the MMA fight panel. Um, definitely, props to Turk and Gary from MMA Gospel, as well as Josh from MMA Valor for stopping in and educating us on their ed- on their MMA knowledge and you know just being great sports and allowing us to debate some of their opinions it was really great having them on and the show was actually very successful um already at about a hundred downloads uh same thing with a lot of the other guests uh the girl gamer episode has already broken the hundred download mark as have the darksiders episodes including the one that blog talk radio messed up and some of the other episodes as well are over the 100 mark um hopefully by 11:30 or so i should be joined by uh ultimate fighter 11 assistant coach and former WEC lightweight champion, Razor Rob McCullough. He should be calling in at around 11.30. We're going to talk about, of course, this season's Ultimate Fighter, um, his plans with the WEC, and any of the other goings-on in MMA as well. Um, Of course, the ads, you know they're there on the site, and uh, you know what to do. The forums have been very active as of late. Um, One of the things that I'm going to go into later on is uh, definitely forum participation. Um, while it is great that it is participating, you know, that people are participating, there are some things I want to discuss in relation to that. Um, a lot of great posts have been up on, put up on MyTakeRadio.com from Josh as well as Slick. Um, my fiance has also put up some great posts. Definitely stop by MyTakeRadio.com and check those out. Um, I actually put on the Transformers War for Cybertron uh, trailer as well as the create a character and multiplayer footage that went up earlier today. Also, um, the My Take Radio social networking project is in full, in full effect. Definitely stay tuned for something that will be coming in the next few weeks, as is MTR merchandise. I'm trying to finalize that, find somebody that will make some quality shirts, and everything should go according to plan. Also, We're going to talk about UFC 112, of course, the Ultimate Fighter. We're going to talk about the passing of former WWE and WCW superstar Chris Canyon, who passed away this past weekend. Um, He actually was living in Sunnyside, Queens, which is about half an hour from where I live now. So, 
Definitely want to talk about that. 3D gaming we're going to discuss. There's a ton of movie news, some really awful remakes, and also we're going to talk about some of the stuff that I kind of missed out last week. And with that, I'll talk a little of a little MMA before we go into the uh but well before our, my guest gets here, but nonetheless, in uh MMA news, of course, the Ultimate Fighter season 11 has been going on and they've been doing a really great job. Um this week's fight with Kyle Noak was really good. I'm not going to go into it too much because I want to discuss that with the guest. Also, UFC 112 is this weekend. It will be the first outdoor MMA event uh, for the UFC. It will be on Yaz Island in Abu Dhabi. Those guys are over there already, and um, Slick will tell you he's seen photos on where they're building the arena. It is insane. Um, there's been little tweets and stuff put up by Dana White and Joe Rogan talking about the awesomeness that... Uh, is going on in Abu Dhabi right now. They asked Dana White if he was concerned about the weather and, you know, how the event would proceed if there was any sort of inclement weather. Dana White said that, you know, there's no plan B, um, which I'm more than sure Hyena's enjoying in the chat. There is no plan B was what Dana White said. It's pretty much going to be however the weather is is how the fights are going to go down. They are concerned about uh, wind because they don't want any sand blown into the cage, obviously. You know, that'll cause a couple of mishaps, and it'll definitely be making uh, the groundwork a little uncomfortable. Nonetheless, definitely going to be cool. That's going to be really historic, and I'm looking forward to it. Uh, my picks are up on the site. Of course, one of the uh, main events is Anderson Silva will be defending his middleweight championship against Damian Maya. BJ Penn will be defending his lightweight title against Frankie Edgar. Uh... The legend Matt Hughes, of course, will be fighting Henzo Gracie, who is looking to avenge previous losses by Gracie family members to our good old buddy Matt Hughes. Also, Rafael Dos Anjos is going to be fighting on there. Uh, he will be fighting Terry Etim. Uh, Kendall Grove is going to fight Mark Munoz. I'm actually excited for that fight. The preliminary fights are going to be awesome, too. You have uh, Mustafa Alturk is going to fight John Madsen. Paul Kelly is going to be on the card. Demarcus Johnson, uh, Nick Osipchak, who was from the um, UK Ultimate Fighter, he's going to be on the card, as is Paul Taylor and Phil Davis. So, overall, the card is going to be fantastic, and it will be live on pay-per-view. Former heavyweight champion Tim Sylvia, um, who, of course, you last saw him fighting against Fedor, not faring so well, will be fighting World's Strongest Man champion Marcius Puzernowski on May 21st in Worcester, Mass. Um, Sylvia hasn't fought since September when he scored a first-round TKO over Jason Riley. Pujanovski is going to be fighting on May 7th, two weeks before he fights good old Tim Sylvia. Also, um, Dana White was asked recently about the issue with teammates not wanting to fight teammates, which, of course, has always been an issue with the UFC. Um, we talked about it on the fight panel, one of the main reasons is right now going into the division of welterweights you got Koscheck, Fitch and Swick all on American Kickboxing Academy. Uh, Fitch who th many people expected to fight Koscheck has said that you know he did not want to do it and of course that hasn't been sitting well with Dana White and he said it he said um, and I quote it's over man the whole we won't fight each other thing is over how long can they go on when they have two of the top guys in the division and they won't fight each other. It's crazy. Um, this has also happened with Keith Jardine and Rashad Evans as well. 
and it seems that the UFC is finally looking on putting its foot down in re- in regards to that shit. Personally, I feel that, and I've said it, and I said it during the panel, and I've said it on previous shows. MMA is not a team sport, and there have to be some some adjustments made, especially when you got a huge camp of guys that are in one division or in two or three divisions, there is the possibility that they are going to face each other, and you have to have some sort of contingency plans in place for that sort of thing. I think it's highly unfortunate that, you know, the fighters are dictating that when there's money on the line in particular. I find it highly, highly unfortunate. Um, In Strikeforce news, they're going to be having their event April 17th. I'm definitely looking forward to that. Dan Henderson will be fighting Jake Shields for the middleweight title. Uh, Gegard Mousasi is going to be defending his belt against King Mo, which is going to be a fantastic fight. We're going to find out if King Mo has the tools to take apart the dream catcher. Uh, Gilbert Melendez is going to be fighting Shinya Aoki for the Strikeforce lightweight title. And overall, solid card. It's going to be on CBS Free TV, so if you're free on the 17th, I would advise you to check it out simply because it's MMA for free. And you got some of the best fights right there. You know, just Shields and Henderson alone is, is going to be ridiculous. There's serious knockout power from Henderson, which we all know. You can ask Bisping. And, of course, there is, uh, you know, one of the things that's crazy is also the fact that Jake Shields has a very, very excellent ground game. So at the end of the day, is you know, it's going to be a fantastic fight. And Strike Force is really trying to do their thing. And this is definitely going to be a card to watch. Moving down the list of some of the stuff I wanted to discuss, welterweight title holder Nick Diaz will be facing Hayato Sakurai at Dream 15. It's going to be a non-title fight, and it will be taking place May 30th at the Saitama Super Arena in Saitama, Japan. Hmm. It seems that there are some sound problems already. And it is that uh, the call is breaking up. So, what I am going to have to do really quick is ask Handel to come in for a second and um, definitely sit this out for a second and let me see if I can fix it, since obviously everybody's saying like I sound like I am underwater, which is definitely not the move. So, hold on one second, folks, while we deal with this. Um, I'm going to take a quick commercial break, and I'll be back. You know those shows where they play video game music and they laugh in like really high voices like (laughs) Void of fake laughter Video Game News Radio 11pm Tuesday nights On all games There you go Um, I dialed back in of course Let's see if anybody uh, do a quick sound check Those of you that are in the chat Please let me know how the sound is right now. Let me know if it sounds watery or not. Um, nonetheless, I think it's an issue with the click to connect from Blog Talk Radio. Um, usually I just dial in directly, but I wanted to do their Skype to talk, which obviously is not as good as dialing in directly. Uh, for those of you that had to deal with that, I apologize. Anyway, let's move on right now. Um, the rumored UFC 115 card, which is supposed to take place um, later on this year, is rumored to have Chuck Liddell versus Tito Ortiz as the main event. Of course, there have been a lot of issues surrounding uh, the, the prospect of Liddell and Ortiz 
There's rumors that Tito is injured. There's rumors that Rich Franklin replaced Tito on The Ultimate Fighter. Um, just numerous rumors. As of right now, Dana White, Chuck Liddell, and Tito Ortiz have all confirmed that the fight is going to happen. So right now, I think that it, it could be anybody's game. You know, Liddell's coming off, you know, a couple of losses. Tito's coming off some losses and a layoff. It, it's anybody's game. But I have a feeling that if one of these guys loses... I personally feel that unless they come back and have a really dominating performance, it's going to be a question of one of them is going to have to hang up the gloves. Um, of course, John Fitch is going to be fighting Thiago Alves because, of course, you know, they don't want to fight teammates, and Dana White feels that that's going to be the money fight. And I have a feeling that whoever wins that fight will be meeting George St. Pierre next. Pat Barry will be fighting Crow Cop. Evan Dunham is going to fight Tyson Griffin. Paulo Thiago will be fighting Martin Kentman. These are all the rumored cards so far. Gilbert Evil will be fighting Ben Rothwell. Mac Danzig will be fighting Matt Wyman. Carlos Condit will be fighting Rory McDonald. James Wilkes is going to be on that card, as is Mike Pyle and Claude Patrick. So thus far, that's the rumored card for 115. It's not 100% set in stone, but I think that if that is going to be the card, it's going to be a phenomenal card from start to finish. And, of course, sticking with the subject of Chuck Liddell, uh, Chuck is going to be the first MMA fighter immortalized by the legendary Ma Madame Tussauds Wax Museum in Las Vegas. Uh, the figure is going to be unveiled May 28th at the UFC Fan Expo, and the figure is going to run about $300,000 to create. It's going to be displayed in the UFC octagon and will have a UFC belt. So definitely kudos to Chuck for that. That's, that's pretty cool that... Um, you know, that he's going to be the first MMA fighter to be immortalized in wax. I think that's pretty badass. Um, there's a Madame Tussauds Wax Museum here in New York. I sincerely hope that uh, we get to see that because I think that would be an awesome, awesome thing to see. I think overall Chuck is a, is a, is a great fighter. And, you know, he's just a, a great ambassador for the sport. So uh, it, it should be awesome. Also... Uh, the Best of Pride, which if you've been wondering where it is, there was, of course, a little bit of a breakdown, and Spike TV is going to be starting to air it again next Wednesday. So uh, definitely tune in next Wednesday, and you can see the Best of Pride when it returns to Spike TV. Um, it's 11.15. I think I can get into some wrestling, too. Um, as I discussed in the beginning of the broadcast, uh, former WWE and WCW wrestler Chris Canyon um, was found dead uh, earlier this week. Actually, I believe it was Sunday. Um, he died from an overdose of pills. He was 40 years old. Um, it is believed that he passed away uh, due to suicide. They found a note, and they also found a lot of pills around his body. It seemed that he suffered from a bipolar disorder, and he had been threatening suicide in the past. It's one of those things that's very unfortunate just because uh, Chris Canyon was a very talented wrestler. I actually watched him when he first debuted years ago with WCW. He, he played the character Mortis. Um, he was with uh, James Vandenberg at the time, who was also the sinister minister from ECW and with Wrath, and he was feuding with a wrestler named Glacier, who at the time was borrowing off the Sub-Zero Mortal Kombat gimmick. So overall, I think it's you know highly unfortunate these wrestlers... Yeah, um, Opie and Anthony, they actually said something pretty interesting a couple of days back on one of their shows. It seems that every that no r professional wrestler makes it 100 days. 
that a lot of the older guys, that, you know, they, they drop dead within 100 days. And it's unfortunate that you, you have to look at it that way, but it's just a rough road. And a lot of these guys, especially, you know, after they reach their 30s and their 40s, they feel that they lose a step and they're kind of stuck on the convention circuit, especially if they're not in a large promotion like WWE or TNA. And a lot of these guys, you know, they end up in, in pretty bad shape. They do a lot of stints in rehab. Um, they, they just don't fare well. They look at a guy like Lex Luger. Um, he had a spinal stroke. He was confined to a wheelchair. There's been um, news recently that he was out of the wheelchair and walking with a walker. Some people said that he had improved and he was doing better. It's, it's real unfortunate that the road that a lot of these guys take, you know, they don't have any sort of union or organized health care of any sort, and their body takes a toll. Their addiction to painkillers, of course, is something that's been talked about a lot, as have, um, what shit, lost my train of thought, um, concussions. The uh, Concussion Institute, um, which is headed by former professional wrestler Chris Nowitzki, um, he's looked into the impact of concussions on professional wrestlers and the fact that they lead to severe brain damage. While I know that Canyon did suffer from a uh, bipolar disorder, I'm more than sure that definitely a large number of chair shots ha had something to do with affecting his bipolar disorder, especially after the report I read a couple of months back about Chris Benoit's brain and how they looked at it, and they, they looked at his brain and they realized he had the brain of a senior citizen just because of the amount of chair shots that he took. It's, it's unfortunate, but it, it's, it's, a, it's a rough road for these guys. And I feel that, um, you know, I mean, WWE is doing something by helping them seek treatment and, you know, getting them into rehab. I believe that uh, former WWE wrestler Zach Gowan, who um, you may remember as the one-legged wrestler that was with Hulk Hogan for a short period of time on SmackDown, he just came out of rehab. It, you know, um, the late Umaga also did some rehab for painkillers, and it, it's just a, a sad state of affairs for older wrestlers. It just it, it, Something needs to be done. Um, me, personally, I can't speak for what they should do because, you know, there's rehab, there's, you know, substance abuse prevention, there's something needs to be done, something organized by the industry as a whole to keep cases like this from happening because it's very tragic. Um, definitely would like to send my condolences to the family and friends of Chris Canyon because that's, that's real unfortunate, man. But one thing I do have to say before moving on is that if his friends or family knew that he had a bipolar disorder of any sort, were they checking on him? Were they? I mean, I can't make the assessment that they were or they weren't, but I think that when it's something of, of that magnitude, I think the person should be under some sort of, of supervised care or visiting nurse service or something. So definitely something to look into in the future. I mean, they haven't released any sort of toxicology reports, but it's definitely going to be something worth checking out. Christopher Daniels, one of my favorite wrestlers in TNA, um, who, you, of course, played Suicide and Curry Man as well as playing himself, um, was asked for his release from his TNA contract on Wednesday, and he immediately made an appearance at Ring of Honor. Um, I think TNA definitely dropped the ball in letting Daniels go. Daniels is a guy, you know, great technical wrestler, great high flyer, one of the founding fathers of that company, along with Jeff Jarrett and AJ Styles and the Amazing Red and Frankie Kazarian and Alex Shelley, those guys. Those guys are the foundation for TNA. And the fact that they actually let him go or even let him opt out of his contract is unfortunate. 
TNA loses a guy that has uh, he's a championship caliber wrestler. He's great on the microphone. Just overall a class act, and it's and, you know he's a comic book fan too, which is kind of cool. But I think TNA definitely dropped the ball letting him go. And you know, I mean, he went to Ring of Honor. Ring of Honor is a solid promotion. I'm very bummed out that I don't get to watch their broadcast on HDNet because Time Warner Cable sucks and decided to take HDNet off the air. But if you're in any of the other states in the U.S. or in Canada and you have access to HDNet, definitely check out Ring of Honor. They have a great product. It's not backstage skits and tons of bullshit. It's just great wrestling, a lot of innovative moves, innovative offense. You know, some of their characters aren't the... uh, the most blandest character. Some are kind of bland, but they make up for it with, with great wrestling ability and great storytelling. You know, Daniel Bryan, NXT rookie, um, a.k.a. the American Dragon from Ring of Honor. You know, he's, he's in WWE now, and I hope he does well, but that's a guy that could wrestle his... He could wrestle a paper bag and make it look good. So definitely best of luck to Christopher Daniels. And uh, moving into some WWE news... Uh, Raw next week is going to emanate from London, and it will be hosted by David Hasselhoff. <sighs> the guest hosting thing. Again, there, there are shades of greatness, like when Stone Cold hosted, and even with NXT rookie David Atunga hosted on Monday. Um, definitely a great addition. It moved the show along, but David Hasselhoff? I don't know about that. Um, the Raw for June 7th is going to be a three-hour Raw, as is the Raw for, I believe, April 26th, which, which will be the draft. Um, I'm wondering with the draft if the NXT rookies are going to be eligible or if they're going to treat NXT as its own brand and not acknowledge it during the draft. It's going to definitely be interesting how that plays out, especially with the things that are going on with Jack Swagger winning the belt for SmackDown and Randy Orton kind of starting a feud with Swagger. Something tells me Randy Orton may be drafted to Raw. Whether that happens or not remains to be seen. Dixie Carter also posted on her Twitter that TNA will not be competing directly with Monday Night Raw. They will be starting an hour earlier, starting Monday, with an encore replay on Thursdays at 9 o'clock. So TNA Impact will be moving to Mondays at 8 p.m. Eastern. Um, They're going to have a one-hour lead-in to Raw, which I think is definitely the right way to go. that way they can get people in at the 8 o'clock hour. Then they can start doing really crazy shit for the 9 o'clock hour and get people to tune in and not have them switch over to Raw. Um, of course, them getting a replay on Thursdays helps too because it uh, keeps wrestling in the Thursday night time slot, gives people something in the middle of the week in case they missed it Monday. And, of course, it's a great segue into SmackDown on Fridays. ESPN.com recently interviewed Goldberg and asked him about the subject of pro wrestling and whether he planned on returning to the ring. Before I go into his comments, Goldberg is a very unique character. He is, um, you know, he had the streak in WCW. His WWE run wasn't as successful as some had hoped. Um, His main event at WrestleMania against Brock Lesnar was just awful in terms of crowd response and the fact that both guys were leaving. Um, The match didn't live up to its full potential. The involvement of Stone Cold Steve Austin, while great, didn't help the match much. I I think Goldberg, you know, he recently signed a deal with WWE for merchandising and, you know, using his likeness in video games, and they're probably going to use him for the Legends action figures. 
I think those things are definitely a step in the right direction. Goldberg is a is a great talent. He has a cool look. You know, he said, you know, these were his comments. At this point, it's not that I want to get back in the ring, but I have a three-and-a-half-year-old little boy, and what an experience for him to still buy an action figure with his daddy represented. The doors are kind of open to negotiation as far as merchandising, but if it leads to something else, it's a wonderful day. It's not something that I'm seeking out to do at 43 years old, but, you know, WrestleMania is next year in Atlanta. Hulk Hogan and I put 43,000 people in the Georgia Dome with three days' notice. I've got a fairly big following in Atlanta. Is it out of the realm of possibility? I'd say no. If not, I'm totally content with the way I went out. To be able to get merchandise out there not only satiates the fans, but hopefully there have been a lot of people wondering where my merchandise is. The reason why I want to do this is for my son, just to be, just trying to be a good father. I definitely think that, um, you know, that's definitely something that's really cool, and I give Goldberg's props for wanting to do that, and I, I look forward to seeing it. I mean, if he does WrestleMania in Atlanta, it just has to be the right story at the right time, and I'm more than sure he will do well with it. Nonetheless, I believe that my guest is on the line or is being screened. I'm not 100% sure because the wonderful My Take Radio switchboard is frozen. So, with that being said, let's see if, uh, if it is our guest and we can bring him on. Nonetheless, that actually wrapped up the wrestling news, so um, I'm going to try and get into some video game news after I have Rob on. Also, there's a lot of crazy movie news that went down that are just really messed up. And you guys aren't going to believe it when I get to it. Nonetheless, I believe Rob is here, and I'm going to bring him on. Rob. What's up, guys? What's going on, man? Chilling, man. Long day of uh, work and stuff. Yeah, man. How's uh, Congratulations on your little boy. Why, thank you. Why, thank you. How is uh how's fatherhood treating you? <laughs> Man, it's uh you know, I feel a lot more responsible. Now it's not just me, it's me, my wife and a little my little guy. It's cool though. I mean, uh kids don't really sleep that much, I've noticed. Oh no, they don't they don't sleep much at all. How's um <laughs> you've been, have have you slept a lot or <laughs> is it is it bad? <laughs> nah, he he gets up. He was getting up about every two hours. Now he'll he'll sleep uh he'll sleep you know five hours and he'll get up now so it's, it's getting better. Nice. Well, that's good, man. I'm glad. I'm glad that uh I'm definitely sure that it has changed your uh, lifestyle a little bit. Oh, for sure, for sure. Well, before we get into some of the uh, the meat and potatoes of, the, of what I wanted to talk to you about, let the listeners know a little bit about yourself for those of, for those of them unfamiliar with you. Um, well, I'm a Gemini. I enjoy long walks on the beach. Well, you know, besides uh, being w, former WEC lightweight champion, uh, assistant coach on The Ultimate Fighter, RazorClothing.tv, um, you know, that stuff. Um, yeah. That, uh, you might have summed it up. Uh, I, I'm still a newlywed. My wife is Lexi Tyler. She's a penthouse centerfold model, and uh, we just had a baby, uh, Cruz Alexander McCullough. Other than that, um, I think you got it all. 
Nice. I think I summed it up in a nutshell, so I saved you I saved you an extra ten minutes of explaining it. <laughs> <laughs> right? There you go. There you go. Well, of course, you know, you know I'm going to ask you a little bit about the Ultimate Fighter. I'm not expecting you to give up a lot, obviously, because it's still going on. But overall, how did you enjoy the experience, especially being in front of the camera so much? Um, it was, you know, the show's about the guys. So I was, I was really excited. I was stoked to be a part of uh, basically, you know, kind of, kind of putting together the, the makings of the future of UFC, you know, the cards. So it was cool to, to cause Tito's a really good coach, man. If you watch prior seasons with him on it, and um, me knowing the guy since high school and, and being able to train with him and be on TM Punishment since the beginning, I know, you know, he's a great corner guy. He's a great coach. The guys, the guys on the show were, they were, they were in great shape and they're really high caliber athletes. So it made for a really awesome season. You guys gotta, gotta watch it. You know, every episode was like, oh my gosh, I can't wait for the next week. I'm like, just wait, dude. There's so much more stuff. It's crazy. How do you how do you feel with with Tito and Chuck? You know, in the at the sense that you know that's pretty much a powder get a powder keg waiting to explode from from a TV standpoint. Do you kind of feel that you have to get in the middle sometimes and tell Tito like, look, man, you can't smash this guy yet, or is Tito composed enough to to let it rock until the end of the until the end of the season? It uh, <laughs> without giving away too much stuff. I'm friends with Chuck as well, but you know, I mean, you, you got to have your you got to have your homies. You're gonna be ride or die, and Tito is one of those homies. So yeah, he's you know he's taking care of me since you know since I was younger. So I t- I watch a guy like he's my brother. So uh, you know, there, there was the, the smack talking. You know, you know, the, we had to be in the same rooms at the same time with everybody, <laughs> and it was you could feel the tension level just turning up. And I was like, man, really? You know, people always ask, come on, dude, is that real? And I'm like. This is as real as it gets, for real. Like, this isn't a joke. This isn't a WWF. No one's tearing their shirt off and flexing. Like, these dudes want to kill each other. And, you know, and then I'm like, and I'm in the middle of it. That's awesome. What the heck's going on? But it makes for a great, it makes for a great season to watch. It makes for an awesome fight. So, yeah, you guys are going to have to watch it to see it, you know. Oh yeah, definitely. You know, I'm not, like I said, dude, I'm not going to, I'm not going to poke you to get any any, any info out of you. So, you know, it's, it should be cool, but you know, I, I you know, I've I've been a fan of Tito for for years now. I've you know, his, his season with Shamrock is legendary. I own that box set, and, and and I honestly thought that the hate between those two was to the point where these these guys are going to fight on national television for you know during the Ultimate Fighter and not wait till the cage. So you know, the, his his beef with Chuck, while while it is it is good. It's not, at least for me, it doesn't feel as as dangerous as it did when he was when he was going against Shamrock. I know there's heat there's heat there, but they're also professionals. You know, with Shamrock, it was a question of, you know, is Tito going to snap and pound him, or is camera is Shamrock going to snap and you know crack him over the head with a camera? No, I I, I watched that season. You know, there's been so many of them now. You know, this this being season eleven. There's been 11 seasons. I watched the first one, and I was like, wow, this is going to be pretty cool. Since then, I've realized that, you know, these guys were just, you know, Joe Schmoes off the street that wanted to get in there. Now, this is a group of guys, and a lot of them go from practice, you know, from the tryouts to tryouts. And they travel the country just doing this to get on the show so they can hopefully get into the UFC. 
And that's one thing I realized being uh, assistant coach on the show. I was like, wow, like a lot of these guys knew each other. And I was like, that's how do you know this guy? He's from across the country. And they're like, oh, I was in the tryout, you know, in Seattle. Oh, I saw him in the tryout in Houston. And I'm like, oh, wow. So now that's how much this, this has evolved. So it's really developed this sport, and it's made it go that much faster. You know, it's crazy because these guys, you know, this is no joke. This is their full-time job trying to get on the show. So it makes, it makes the level of competition definitely get stiff, and they realize they don't want to be that guy on the show who lost and is crying on TV and all his friends get to see him. So, you know, they're going to make sure they're coming in shape. Yeah, that's good. I mean, that's one of those things that's always been, you know, um, it happened with, with a couple of guys that had to cut a lot of weight in previous seasons. Uh, you know, the Gabe Rudiger colonic incident. You, you know, I could go down the laundry list of some of the crazy stuff that ha- that's happened. <laughs> And I'm really impressed, man. These guys came in and, and, and they were ready to bang. As soon as as soon as I saw the first the first episode with, with them going through all the fights, I was like, Holy shit, not one guy is overweight, not one guy is you know, I mean the thing with the French guy definitely was a bit of an issue. But um other than that, man, every everybody was ready to rock and roll. Oh yeah, for for sure. That made it that made it a lot more fun to actually get to get you know, to to teach these guys, because you're going to learn a lot more when you're in great shape, because you're not thinking about, oh, God, I need to get my win. So these guys picked up a lot of stuff, and we really got to push these guys to see what they had, and, you know, and every single one of them was, you know, they were willing to put in the hard work, and that was one thing that we really wanted to instill in them, is none of us got to anywhere where we were at today without putting in the work, and sometimes when you don't train with the guys, you know what I mean, that, that you know, you're the big fish at your gym you don't get to train with the high-caliber guys, you kind of think, you know, well, maybe I don't need to push myself that hard. So we we pushed these guys to the limit, and everybody there was there to work and to do their thing. And even guys who, who couldn't do it physically were still trying to do it. And that was the thing we tried to instill in them. You know, the hard work's going to pay off no matter what. Even if you don't make the show, later on in life, it's still going to pay off, trust me. And uh, that, was, that, was, that was a cool thing. Yeah, I mean, it was, yeah, exactly. I'm like, hey, you guys might not made it on the show. You guys might make it on the show, but people are going to remember you. And you don't want to remember you as a quitter. And you don't remember they remember you as a, as a fighter who gave it your all. And you know, hey, regardless if you have a good record or a bad record, they're going to watch you fight. And you can call, you can demand more when next time you fight because you're the guy on the Ultimate Fighter. So everyone was like, yeah, that's, that's right. true, that's true. You know, try to keep everybody positive. Well, one of the one of the one of the listeners in the chat um, wanted to ask. Who are you betting on to win this season? Who do you feel is a favorite for you personally? Who do I feel is a favorite as far as a as a uh, one of the fighters on the show? Yeah, in terms of one of the fighters on the show, like without without giving it away, obviously, but like for you personally, who was a guy that came in here like, wow, this guy has the tools to make it to the end? You know, that would be that would I think prior seasons that would be an, a, a pretty easy a pretty easy question to answer. But to be totally honest with you, every single one of the guys on our team was, you know, was a true champion in my in my in their own right, in my eyes. Every one of these guys came to practice twice a day, seven days a week, to bust their ass, and everybody was cool with each other. You know, there was a few incidences where they, you know, they're doing stupid stuff. You see from the commercials, you know, like them honking the honking the air horns and stuff. But you know, these guys listened. You know, they they took everything we said with, you know, they're okay. You know, they took it like it was gospel, and it was cool. It, it was cool. I would, I would, it would be hard to pick because all the guys were such, such you know, good guys in and out of the cage. Well, I tell you, I um, I was a, I was definitely two things got my attention this week, and you know, t- Tito. I'll start with that first. Tito as a coach is awesome. He has a future in just teaching fighters. I always say that Tito's destined either for 
teaching or for color commentary because, you know, he's, he's very passionate about the sport. He's always willing to go in there. He doesn't go in there to just um, to collect a paycheck. You know, he carry, you know, he carries relationships with these fighters, you know, Matt Hamill. You know, I've seen pictures with you guys. I've seen, you know, team punishment photos. You know, I've seen Kendall Grove, all, all these guys. You know, you guys, you bring them in as family after the show is over, and, and that's really good, especially after this week's fight. I'm like, you know, Tito told the guy, hey, man, you know, the triangle choke, this is how you got caught. This is what you should have done to get out. And I like that. I mean, some people, of course, on, on the web, they were like, oh, you know, why did he wait right after the fight? Why couldn't he wait till later? You know, everybody wants to be an armchair quarterback and talk about yeah, how exactly. it should be done. But but uh, Tito, I, I was always sold on Tito being a great teacher, but, but that sold me, man. I was like, yo, Tito, Tito's no joke with this shit. He really, wants, he really wants it. Not to say that Chuck doesn't want it for his guys, but Tito's consistently teaching, which I like. Well, when I first, you know, when I met you to wear in high school, and when he got out, he wanted to be a high school, like, a PE teacher, wrestling coach. That was his whole thing. He was going to, he was going to Cal State Bakersfield wrestling, but he wanted to get out to get his physical education in there so he could become uh, a PE teacher. And he, so he's always been a natural act of, of being coaching. And his voice, the way he talks, the way he carries himself when he does it, he's very charismatic. So he makes a great coach. And, you know, and having the, the opportunity to train with a guy, you know, for years, the guy is ridiculous, especially in the game of mixed martial arts, because he knows, you know, he knows everything now. Before when we first started training, he wasn't that good on stand-up, so him and I went back and forth and traded secrets on, hey, you should do this, hey, you should do that. And he's like, well, you stand up too straight. I'm like, well, maybe you should track leg kicks. We went back and forth, and, and so he's made such a great game. And then just this season, because I haven't trained with him in a couple, probably a couple years, you know, but I'll admit him here and there, just to watch the stuff that him and Sal Solis have come up with, the training techniques, the training exercises blew my mind. I would sometimes be in awe when I would leave. I go, man, that was cool. I've never seen that before. And they're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I was like, I gotta get, I gotta learn that one. That was cool. So I was even learning stuff. It was cool. Nice. I was gonna, I was gonna ask. I heard that Tito brought in a a media coach to help these guys get ready to deal with the press. You know, to sell fights. Um, first of all, is that true? Uh, we had talked about it, but they, he wasn't allowed to. The guy, the, the, I think it was Spike, wouldn't let wouldn't let that guy come in because we had talked about it, and you know we're like, hey man, you know most important thing, we we gave him what we could, but we were trying to bring nice. in an extra guy to do it, and they were like, no, you can't do that. You know, you only got so many coaches you're allowed. And we're like, ah man, but we we gave him all all our knowledge we could, which is you know way better than than most people. Well, you know, it's fu- it's funny you say that, and, I, and I, when I read it, I was really impressed with that, with the fact that you guys were going to that level, because one of the things that I noticed, especially with a lot of the new guys, and you've probably seen this, especially since you fought professionally, is one of the fact that some of these guys, you know, as soon as that mic goes in front of them, they turn into a pile of shit. <laughs> and yeah. they're like, I'm the, I'm the, I'm the, I'm the, it's like they don't, they don't get it together, they're like, oh my God, you know, and I think that, that was really a, a smart move. It's a shame that Spike didn't let you guys do it, but, um, it, it, you know, the, I think the fighters need that. You know, the NBA does it with their players. I definitely think the UFC should definitely do something like that because I'm more than sure when you, when you started fighting and, and you started being on more televised fights and that camera went in front of you, I remember, I, I, I'm more than sure the first time, you must, it must have blew your mind like, holy shit, you know, millions of people are watching this right now. 
Yeah, I mean, it's funny, though, because the more and more that you do stuff like this and you do interviews for, you know, whatever it is, web stuff or, you know, random stuff, you know, you're, you're, you're filming your training, you know what I mean, and your buddy has a camera. You, the more practice you get in front of it doing it, the easier it is. And then, you know, winning the belt, I got a lot to do, a lot of interviews. I was on, you know, news channels and sports editions and stuff. So I got my opportunity to... to, to to really try it when you know like all right we're going live and I'm like okay and I brought uh, I brought friends on before and they froze and I was like oh no and I'm looking at them and they kept going um uh, and I was like no <laughs> we're on live TV so I mean you could definitely see that so the, so the practice definitely helps and Tito was one of the guys who totally helped me to do that he was like yeah you know hey you should you should get you know you know get a buddy and, and film and pretend you're doing interviews and I was like yeah for sure it sounds really stupid but. That when they when it's your time and they point a camera in your face, you know you guys either act really weird, start stuttering, or they or you know it's very rarely that they, stuff just rolls off the tongue and they're like, oh yeah, oh yeah, and the people are like, wow, you're well spoken. That hardly is the case. People are usually like, uh, I like to fight, I kill them. You know they're like, what? So it definitely helps. Well, there you go. I know that you um you train out of out of the Huntington Beach uh, Ultimate Training Center. What what do you teach out there besides? Of course, you learning. Do you teach also? Yeah, I, I do. I would say I'm more of the gym life coach. No, I'm totally kidding. I do teach mixed martial arts. Um, of course, my specialty is Muay Thai, so I do a lot of stand-up stuff. I, I train you know, anywhere from older ladies getting into shape to young kids, to a lot of, I train a lot of uh, police officers, which is cool because I get to have a lot of window t- tickets most of the time. <laughs> so, yeah, and that and that's really what brought me back in like '05 was I was training so much mixed martial arts stuff with with cops that I realized, hey, dude, you know what? I've gotten a lot better at this than than before than me running out trying to tee off on guys, and that's kind of what brought me back in '05. So, you know, just being in the gym kind of. You know, it's, it's kind of a fun thing. And then you end up, you know, running another mile or doing extra crunches or adding something to your combination, a takedown or whatever that you probably wouldn't have done if you weren't there. So being in the gym, being a gym rat is kind of a fun thing to do. Well, that's awesome. And it's also one of the things, you know, your your Razor clothing line. I had um, one of the guys from the MMA Gospel Show, and he recently relocated to Huntington Beach. And he was saying, you know, you have a huge presence out there with, with Razor clothing. Um, what inspired you to start your your own clothing line? Like, how did that come about? My my whole thing was I was like, okay, I'm getting paid by other companies to wear their shirts, to wear their clothing and their apparel, and I'm like, and these guys are making money off of me. So I was like, well, you know what? I got to figure out, you know, and you start thinking about it, how much it costs to make clothes and how much they're selling it for, and then you're like, why don't I just make my own clothes? And then I, okay, wait a minute, here we go, here's an idea. So that's kind of how it started. And then, say la vie, I was selling cornerman shirts, you know, the shirts that my, me and my corner guys would wear at fights at my gym. And the next thing you know, people were like, dude, I'll, the next time you make some more. So I was like, all right. I made a couple more, and they went really fast. And then I was like, right, why don't I just start selling and putting my logo on it? And then the next thing you know, I had a web guy, a web page, I had people in there, and I was like, I'm interviewing models, and I'm like, this, so this is what it's like to run a company? This is kind of cool. Yeah, I, um, you know, he told me that it's really, it, it has a really big following out there. And I actually, you know, I have been checking out your site and 
of course, uh, my fiance, you've, you've been messaging with her back and forth. She was like, hey, man, you know, he's got, he's got really cool women's clothes. So, you know, I was, I was really impressed with that because it, there's very few guys, now more so a couple of guys are starting to branch out. But you and Tito were some of the, some of the first guys that really made a brand out of yourselves first. You know, I definitely got to commend you for that because yeah, uh, you, you're a true hustler, man. That's how, that's how you do it. Oh, man, every day I'm hustling, right? Just like the song. <laughs> that's right. There's, there's nothing wrong with that. And, and the fact that, you know, you, you've marketed the brand so well and you have such a huge presence in Huntington Beach, man, that's a, that, that's a testament to your work. So, you know, I definitely wanted to give you kudos for that. Why, thank you, sir. Why, thank you. I just took, basically, the, the way I looked at it was, I train very hard at the gym, and it's a lot of fun. Now, that, now nothing can be harder than training all day to cage fight, right? That's the way I'm looking at it. So why not take that kind of hard work ethic and put it into business, whether it be selling clothes or, you know, what, what have you, and that kind of thing has really helped me drive and push past those barriers when people are like, oh, you can't do it. Clothing line, that's, that's a horrible business, especially with the economy. And I'm like, really? Well, I'm, I'm doing it, so... You know, I mean, a lot of people want, want to be haters, but the reality is, you know, you watch, you know, keep your overhead low and try to just, you know, keep your nose to the grind. I, I'm used to getting punched in the face for a living, so come on, selling clothes here and there, so that, that can't be that much harder. Well, you know what's funny? You have you have such a great mainstream presence. You know, you have Goldberg wearing your stuff. You have a lot of uh, surfers. You got a lot of mo- motocross athletes also wearing wearing your your line. And I'm more than sure when when that started happening, you're like. Yeah, this is it. This this is definitely it. Like in terms of a of a successful clothing line, you must have been like, you know, I got fucking Goldberg wearing my shirt. <laughs> you know, like that's <laughs> that that's what's up, man. You know, yeah, it, it it's a cool feeling, especially when you know. At first, I was selling shirts, and I knew I knew who who bought my clothes. So I see people, and I was like, hey, what's up, bro? Oh, cool, right on. Now when I you know I'm cruising around and I see people. I see people in the airport wearing my stuff, and I'm like, oh, that's cool. And I say, hey, that's not, I like that shirt. And like, oh, my friend got it for me. And I'm like, right on. And I'm like, that's a, that's a Razor shirt. That's awesome. You know, I'll text my wife. I'm like, dude, I just saw a guy wearing my shirt. Like, I still think it's rad. I'll, I drive around. I see, uh, I have, like, decals for the back of people's car windows. I'll see them on people's cars, and I'm like, yeah, that's awesome. So it's still, it's yeah, still we, cool. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm stoked on it. Yeah, we got to get you a, a New York presence. I got to get some stuff so I can, uh, Start help start bringing that on the East Coast because you get you West Coast guys can't have all that stuff, you know. <laughs> you know there we go. gotta we I, go. I gotta deal I gotta deal with the with the affliction and tap out stigma over here that you know I always get for, <laughs> for if I if I wear those shirts. It's um it's funny because you know now that you had the baby, did you give any thought to start making uh razor wear baby baby onesies? <laughs> oh. Bro, that was the first. Everyone's like, you gonna start making baby clothes? And I was like, well, you know, I mean, you know what? My kids got so much clothes. I see why. You know, they're throwing up on them or they're peeing on them, and you're like, oh man, I gotta change them. So that definitely is probably gonna be in the future here, very quick. Like, well, yeah, because it's funny because you know, my my fiance, you know, she she loves she loves your son. She, every time you put photos up, you know, she retweets, and um, I see them, <laughs> and you know, you know you. Yeah, yeah, I know you're you're enjoying fatherhood, and you know it, it was funny because I it, it'd be cool to see that, like you know, like like my kid would choke out your kid, you know, on a onesie. <laughs> my my dad will beat up your dad, yeah, stuff like yeah, that. My yeah, my dad will beat up your dad. <laughs> yeah, he had a um, he had a shirt on last night, and it said uh, what did it say? Uh, booby 
something about boobs, and I was dying laughing because I was like, man, he's, <laughs> he's only six weeks old, and <laughs> he has this shirt on about boobs. Nothing wrong with that. It's all right. <laughs> no, it was funny. I was dying laughing. He's a cute kid. Um, in terms of uh, when are you fighting next, man? Uh, we're in negotiations, my management guys. So hopefully we're talking June right now. So it could be a big, a big, a big step. So June, a June card on TV, a big, a pretty big venue. So we will see. Yeah, man. I, you know, you definitely got to get back in that in that lightweight title picture. I mean, the guys, the guys that are up there now. I know it has to bug you because you're you're probably like, yeah, I could probably take that guy. You know, especially <laughs> now that. You know, especially now that, that you're a parent, you know, you start worrying about putting food on the table, so you want to go, you want to go and, and put fucking guys to sleep. <laughs> yeah, man. Well, you know what's funny is, I never pictured myself doing this, but now I'm getting up, I'm changing diapers throughout the night, and, you know, and or feeding them. We do, we take turns, but I've demoed my house. I turned it in because uh, I, I rented it for a long time, and now I'm moving into it. So... My wife and I decided we we're going to get new carpets and paint. Well, that was three days ago. Since then, I've completely demolished the whole house. Walls down. I've had crews of six guys working three days nonstop. And I'm like, wow. And I thought training for a fight was interesting. But the but in between, talking to contractors and, and this and that, I'm like, I really just want to go beat someone up. Like, I just, and I'm like, I just give me a couple minutes. Give me 30 minutes. I need to go to the gym and hit some stuff and go for a run. And so I'm really itching to get back in there, and I'm like, you know what, this is all, it was all said, it was fun before, now now it's serious, this is about, you know, this is about taking care of my family, so I can't wait to get in there and knock someone's head off. Well, you know, that, that split decision against Darabedian, I was, I, you know, the, the fight, the fight was, was, was uh, there was a lot of back and forth, man, but I honestly thought that you took the, the, the later rounds in that fight. I did too, otherwise I would have put more pressure on him. Going into the fight, though, I was training with Bal Quash, and he was getting ready, and I was working on a bunch of stuff, and I, I hurt my hand. I tore the ligament on top of my hand or a tendon, and I was like, dude, I think I broke my hand. My wife's like, are you serious? You just broke your hand in your last fight. And I go, I don't know. So I went and got an x-ray in the morning, and the guy goes, you didn't break it. There's no break. He goes, but you probably tore this up on top. And I'm like, oh, geez, are you kidding me? So the, the place that I went to hand therapy for, for my right hand, I started going for my left hand, and they're like, I did the pressure test. I could squeeze 20 pounds per, per square inch with my left hand. That was it. So I was like, oh, my gosh, are you kidding me? She's like, the therapist said, he goes, you can't fight like that, can you? And I'm all, I have to. I'm like, fuck, I'll be all right. I kept going, I'll be all right, I'll be all right. I'm hitting the bag. I'm starting to do better. If I threw a hook or I turned my, my wrist in any weird angle, it killed. And I'm like, oh, it's going to be cool. It's going to be cool. And I just basically talked myself into, all right, I'm, you know, I'm not going to back out. I'll be, I'll be fine. So I was really hesitant on throwing combinations. So I, I was trying to tattoo his leg and throw my right hand. And after a while, I was just like, I got this. I got this. And then I'm like, wait a minute. Are you kidding me? This went to a split? And I'm like, wait a minute. I just lost. And I'm like, are you kidding me? And I was like, oh, dude. The rally yeah, when I'm you, like, you know what I mean? Yeah. No, when you, when you broke your hand against Hicks, you know, I remember that um, when they were talking about it, they were like, oh, you know, his hand is broke. And then I thought, all right. Broke your, you broke your hand. You know, most of the most guys they break their hand, they bounce back really good. You came back in, and you know you you were good as new, but of course, then the left hand caught you. So I'm more than sure you must have been pissed, man. Like like fuck. 
You know? I, yeah, I was really pissed, and I was hungry because I was like, dude, are you kidding me? I just came off an injury. I, I tore uh, a tendon in my ankle, too, on that Hicks fight. So I was like, okay, dude. Like, I've been sitting on the, a bench for a while, and I'm like, okay, I need to get this cast off. I need to get things going. By the time I got the ball rolling, it was right before the fight, too. And I did that, and I was like, are you kidding me? I'm like, I can do this. And I didn't want to be like, oh, you know, I, don't want, I, I can't pull out, so... I'm like, all right, dude, just keep it to myself, I'll be cool. But my mid guy's like, dude, what's your deal? And I'm like, don't hold hooks, don't hold uppercuts, and I can't plant on my left hand. And he's like, what? And I'm like, don't worry about it, don't worry about it, I'll be cool. <laughs> so it was kind of frustrating, but whatever. That's crazy, man. I, you know, it, it, it was unfortunate because, you know, you, 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 were, you were doing good, and then, you know, it, 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 it's one of those things, and, and every fighter says it, and you, you don't want to leave it to the hands of the judges, and I'm more than sure I know. when they got to the judges, you're like, shit. <laughs> I kept going, dude, I'm but, tattooing this guy's leg. He's going to fall over. And then I'm like, wait, so you didn't score any of my kicks or what? What's the deal? I was like, what? Who's judging this? Is it, well, it's funny, is it Rachel? You that, man, <laughs> it's funny you say that. As a judging, the, I, I always have an issue with judging, and it's funny you said that because um, when, when Shogun was was fighting uh, Machida, you know. And, oh, and man, they, I was there. I thought, yeah. It's horrible. Yeah, you know, I was bad, especially with Cecil Peoples. I, I laid into Cecil Peoples on this show. I think I called him some some of the worst things. I've called somebody in a while because I'm like, I'm like, you know, are, are, are you kidding me? Uh, you know, and with the, with the guys that were on last week, we were talking about the fact that more fighters need to go into judging, you know, after, you know, after their fight careers are, are over. Uh, you think that'll, that'll definitely help in the future if more fighters start getting involved in judging? Well, well without giving away a bunch of stuff <laughs> on this season, <laughs> season 11 of The Ultimate Fighter, judging is a key thing. And, I mean, if you don't know about, you know what I mean, about the – if you come from a boxing background, then you're going to think if a guy's throwing punches, he's winning. It's not about a punch count, though. You know what I'm saying? If if you're laying on your back and you're fully mounted, some guy's mounting you, and you're throwing punches at him, you don't count his punches because those aren't doing anything, you know? So if there's just like, there's like incidences that you go, who is judging this and do they really know what they're doing? I don't think so. Because if you're judging at home, you can see stuff and go, that that is retarded. So, yeah, I mean, judging should be, you know, you can't just have a, any regular Joe boxing judge. Or somebody who just because they have a badge from the commission, oh, they're they're qualified because they took a class or they watched the video. I mean, the reality of it is you're talking about people's lives. You're talking about people's careers. You know, you're, you're talking about how these people feed their families. And if they get a horrible decision because you don't really know what's going on and you think you know, that's not fair to the, the fans, the viewers, the fighter for sure, or the person who's judging it because they're, 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 you know, they're making a horrible call and they could be ruining somebody's career. Well, you know, it's it, it's it's really bad when, especially when you know, with the with the Shogun fight, I was like, I was like, what the hell, man? Like, did it really go down like that? And you know, of course, everybody everybody clamored right. for a rematch, and we knew it was going to happen. But it, you know, the judging definitely gets under my skin, and you know, the, the the ref, you know, the refs are getting better. I mean, you know, Herb Dean is getting really yeah, good. No, the ref, you know, the WEC yeah, the ref, the ref, has good I, gotta, I definitely feel the refs are getting better. You got to get the judging. Working right. I'm friends with these people. I'm re- I'm friends with uh, the Doc Nelson. I, those guys remember me since I first started fighting in '96, and I was tie boxing. So I see those guys, and they're like, you know, they're like family members. I'm like, what's up, guys? 
But that being said, it's like when it comes down to it, you, you know, I mean, those guys are from from a martial arts background, different. You know, what I mean, those guys couldn't judge a wrestling match. Why can they judge? You know, what I mean, so it gets a little different. It's like, hey, dude. Well, I tell you this: when with you, you know, with you in the WEC, have you given any thought to moving up into the UFC at all, or do you feel that you still got a great wealth of talent in the WEC, or do you want to get some gold in there first and then make the move? Well, at this point, uh, my management team is shopping me around. You know, we've talked to, you know, Bellator. We've talked to Strikeforce. So we're, we're going to see where, where Razor Rob's home is next. And I'm pretty sure oh, I just shit. said my name in third person. Damn it. <laughs> I, promise I, Damn, dude, I promise I would never do that. <laughs> I just did. Dude, I, I'd, be, I'd be bummed if you left the WEC, man. You got so much unfinished business in there, man. Bro, you're telling me, right? Right. <laughs> <laughs> you got a lot of dudes in there, man, that you, that you got to punch oh, in the dude. face. <laughs> oh, God, you're telling me about it. Trust me. You're telling me. I can yeah, name a I, couple I, um, right off the bat. <laughs> I, caught, I caught some of the some of the Bellator event, you know, because I was watching where to fight. And, um, you know, those, those guys, they got, a, they got a pretty cool little system working. I don't know, I don't know how far it'll get them. But it's definitely interesting. I'm just not a fan of the of the consistent fight tournament. You know what I mean? Especially, you know, after after the old Pride Fighting days, it was like, holy shit, can this end? Or there were days you wanted it to end. So I don't know how well I I as a fan I'd adjust to that man. But I'd be bummed if you left the WEC. I mean, don't get me wrong, Strike Force is nice. You know, you could you could do some damage in there. But but there's too many dudes, man. WEC, you got to take out, man. Dude, we're on the same page on that one. Trust me. I, I'd love to fight Cowboy again. I can't wait to smash Varner. Um, I'd love to fight uh, Darabini again and punch him in the face like a bazillion times. So I mean, there's there's some there's three fights right there. I'd love to have. So I'm like, let's come on, somebody. I got kids yeah, to feed now. Come on. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, I'm more than sure. You know, you. Yeah, I'm. I'm definitely thinking you and Cowboy, the, the you and Varner is a great rematch. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> so we we will uh, we will see we'll see where I end up. Well, I'm more than sure. Um, there was one last thing I had to ask you. With um, with this season, I noticed that they were showing off a lot of the the assistant coaches, and they kind of they kind of didn't didn't give you and Shields any love. Was that something that yeah. just happened? Un- unfortunately, or are they actually going to give you some play? And they're going to be like, you know, they're going to give you a little, you know a what? The, a little the, background. The, the whole, sh- I don't know, because what the, they did a thing where they, you know, they introduced the teams and then they introduced the coaches and we all did our little spiel. So I don't know. A lot of people were asking me about that. Hey, dude, they introduced you. Well, you know, we see you walking around, but that's about it. And I'm like, yeah, hey, I don't know, because it's not at the end of the day, it's not what you film, it's what you edit. So right. you know, we we can, and there was a lot of great stuff in there that was filmed, well, we'll see how it's all cut up and edited in the end. So, you know, I don't, I don't, I don't know. I, I wasn't, I wasn't on the cutting room floor for these ones, but you know, I was there and I was, you know, I gave it 110% every time I could. And those guys, those guys, I told all of them too. I go, Hey dude, check it out. You guys are my brothers. Now I go, I'll give you my number. You want to email me? You want to call me? If it's, and you want to talk about anything. Whenever you want. And they're like, no, dude, the second the show's over, you're going to be big time. I go, no, I swear to God. And I got guys that call me, too. They're like, hey, what's up, man? And I'm like, what are you guys doing? None? What's going on? And like, you know, we rap. And these guys, most of them live around the country. So it's it's pretty cool. And I'm like, dude, I, you know, I'm serious, dude. You, you know, blood, sweat, and tears with these guys. 
You know, you're sitting there watching these guys fight, and you're like, oh, come on, come on. That's like the worst thing. I would much rather m- m- me fight myself than sit there and watch my friends. And these guys were, you know, I consider all these guys my friends. So I'm like, oh, man, come on. You know, I start watching these guys fight twice a week towards the end, and I was just like, oh, dude, I need to get out of here. I need to get out of the gym for a minute. <laughs> I quit drinking, well, so I'm like, dude, this is blowing my mind. Well, you know, I was going to ask you about that. You know, you get to leave at the end of the day. These guys got to go back to the house. Did um, what, I, I can imagine the urge for you to want to fight was intensified a thousand times every time you had to go in there and spar and, you know, do, do, you know, do mat work, bag work. You'd go home, you're like, fuck, I need to fight. I need to fight. I need to fight. Did oh, they dude, start messing uh, with yeah. you psychologically? It, it did, but I, I found another way to vent it, and it's called Blackjack. I don't know if you've heard of it. It's this game with cards. It's <laughs> kind of fun. Well, <laughs> we started playing Blackjack, and that was a whole other, that could have been a whole other TV show. But um, I found ways to vent. I was still working out. I, I had a gym at the, my manager's house that I was staying at. So I was still, I was still venting. But, you know, the, the, really the things that I did pick up, you know, because you're always learning. The second that you don't think you're learning is the, the second you get your ass handed to you. And I, you know, so I picked up a lot of cool things. And uh, training my students now, they get they get to reap uh, the rewards of that. You know, the fruits of my labor of sitting there watching, and going, okay, that works. And, and I got to wrestle with with most of the guys. You know, when there's off days or injured guys, so it was kind of cool. And then, you know, my, these guys were walking around 200 pounds, and I'm a 55er. So it was it was it was fun. It was you know, and I, I got to pick up some cool tricks and show them off to my students now. So it was fun. It was you know definitely an experience. Did you get to see the uh, the Ultimate Fighter house? And 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 if so, were you like, please don't destroy this place? You know what's funny is everyone always asks me, oh, dude, is that you know that's the same house from so and so? They have like eight different they have like eight different houses and they move them every season, I think. And uh, yeah, we got we went to the house a couple times. And the house the house is a really nice house, but the thing is, it's like the whole dynamic of the show and like the whole setup blows my mind because they're like sitting in the house with all these dudes who you're potentially going to fight and they don't let you talk on the phone, watch TV, listen to a radio, read a book, yet they give you a bunch of alcohol. So I was oh like, what God. the? They're just, I'm like, this is wrong. This should be illegal. You know, I'm like, this is something it's called that should be. I know, man. I was like, wow. You know what I mean? Because I, I, I fight because I love to fight. I mean, even if I didn't get paid to do it, I would probably still do it so it's like you know what i mean but now it's like these guys are going around the you know the country trying to get on the show and it's like you're giving up six weeks of your life you know i mean don't get me wrong the to the good to the bad is you know what i mean it's awesome but i mean that's that's a serious dedication to get on there and then to live with the dudes you're going to scrap with and you got to train seven days a week you know what i mean twice a day i mean that's what i do any but it, it gets pretty gnarly to go, man, these guys, you know what I mean, they're, they're putting in their all. And I think it would be kind of hard to explain to your girlfriend, hey, I'm going to be gone for six weeks, and then you can't call me, and uh, hopefully you don't find another boyfriend between then. And then you don't know, and then, I mean, then you're fighting with guys. I was thinking about it. I was like, I don't know if I could be on that show. It kind of blow my mind. Well, you know, it was funny because, you know, especially now that, now, now that you know, you're a parent, if, if, you ha- if you can go back and you had the opportunity to get into the UFC going that route, would you do it now? God, I don't know. You know, <laughs> you know what I mean. Knowing what I know now, and I don't know. You know what I mean? It's it's a crazy dynamic. 
You know, and they told you, they're like, know. hey, man, the light, you get a shot, you get a shot at the lightweight belt, if, if, you know, the winner of this season. You know, if, with that on the line in a seven-figure contract, would, would, you do, would you do it, man? But to be totally honest, the reality of a seven-figure seven contract over three years, if you really break it down, that's not so much money. I mean, as long as – that is if you do really well without the contract and you do smash right. enough people so people do know you, then, yeah, then it's not that much money. So there's the – you know what I mean? There's the pros and cons. Like, there's one side of it that I look at it and I'm like, well, you know what? That's not that much money. And then there's another guy who's like, are you kidding me? I could do this, I could do that. So – you know what I mean? It's like, uh, the grass is always greener on the other side. Well, that's crazy. You just opened my eyes to that because, you know, they always sell it like, dude, you're getting a seven-figure contract, but now that you said it, that it's spread out, spread out like that and it's not that much money, the allure looks a lot smaller. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So it's like, hmm. But the reality is that's, that, is the, that is the Super Bowl of mixed martial arts. So if you're going to fight in an organization that, Hopefully it gets big enough to where before it gets closed down by the UFC because they're probably on the market. <laughs> you know, what I mean? it has to be in the UFC. And if you're not smashing dudes already and knocking and dramatically knocking or submitting people that people are in and in a show where it's going to be on TV, then people aren't really going to know you nowadays unless you're on the show. I mean, look at Rashad, Evan, Forrest Griffin, Matt, Sarah, Diego Sanchez. I mean, these are just some dudes that came from the TV show that. I mean, you know them now, like, you know, and then there's, those, then there's those guys you don't remember who they were, and you're like, you were what? You were on the show? So, I mean, it's it's crazy, you know? If it's your dream, I guess you got to kind of go for it and and not really think it, about the pros and the cons. It, yeah, it's, I mean, you know, it is funny because I've seen, you know, uh, I remember the comeback with, with you know, with Matt Sarah doing it, and Matt, Matt Sarah's school is actually, like, 10 minutes from my office. So it was pretty funny, you know, and they were like, oh, yeah, the school's up, uh, up the block. And I'm like, holy shit, he trains up the block? So then, you know, it, it was weird watching him on TV and seeing how much he, he's changed as an athlete. And a lot of these guys that come out of the Ultimate Fighter, I, I mean, it's great that they're, you know, that they, they get their opportunities. A lot of the guys stay humble. But, but, you know, I see a little ego in there sometimes rearing its head, you know, and that's, that's one of those things, you know, with you, with you being established and fighting for so long, do you feel that a lot of these guys, the ego definitely comes into play and kind of tells them, like, hey, man, you know, you're, you're big time now, and, you know, every day you can get punched in the face. So, you know, the, the, the fame doesn't mean shit. Well, yeah, at the end of the day, you know what I mean, there's always going to be a guy who's going to be bigger, badder. And so, I mean, that's the reality of it, you know what I mean, or younger. You know what I mean? And even if you, uh, hey, you're, you're undefeated, you smash everyone, you're eventually going to age, and you're going to be to the point where there's a 20-year-old who's the next up-and-comer. So you just got to take it, you know, and it's the journey. Enjoy the journey. Enjoy the wave and go, hey, you know I mean? I got to learn, and you're doing it for that reason because, you are you know, you're enjoying it. Then, hey, man, it's awesome. But if you're doing it because you want to be, you know, Johnny Big Shot and you want to get all the chicks, you're in for a rude awakening because the reality is your, your 15 minutes of fame will be over one day, and, it's a rough. It's a rough way to get served on TV, direct. Oh wow. Okay. Cool. So you got to have other other motives than just that. Yeah, you don't want to be a highlight in somebody's tape, man. That that's the that's the you know worst what I'm shit. Yeah, because you you yeah you can start out your career with a bunch of highlights, but if you uh you know you don't you don't get back to the grind and be humble, you'll end up on people's highlights. So that's the, that's the, that's the reality of the game. It's a rough way to make a living. 
Well, I got I got one more question for you because I'm more than sure you're home and you want to spend time with the baby. Um, of course, you know we got 112 this weekend. Uh, and see if we could get some fight picks out of you. Um, with with Silva and Maya, who you got, and, and and what do you think? God, you know what? That's that's a that's a really cool matchup. <laughs> Maya Maya is a submission master. Uh, if you look at Anderson Silva's record. His, you know, his loss is from getting knee barred by Chonin. I mean, I'm not sure who else he's lost to, but I think it was by submission if it was. So his ground game, he's supposed to be a black belt in jiu-jitsu. But, I mean, the guy's got sick hips. He's very explosive. He's got ridiculous stand-up. So if Maya's going to execute any of that jiu-jitsu that he's got, he's got to get him to the floor first. But he's willing to bang. That's going to be a really interesting fight, but I would have to I would have to give it to Anderson because the guy is unorthodox lefty, he's gangly, he knows how to use those hips, and right now he's been the dominant force in that division. I would give it to him just being the champ, but I think it's going to be one hell of a fight. Definitely fireworks on that one. Well, here you go. Of course, as a lightweight fighter, Penn and uh, BJ and Frankie Edgar. That's going to be. I think that's going to be an awesome <laughs> fight because. Because I think Frankie Edgar's got nothing to lose, and that kid is a go-getter. That kid's a stud. He's very small, though, for a 55-er. Ridiculous. He's got really good boxing, and he's got good He's got good head movement. He's got sick wrestling. The kid's got great positioning on the floor. But I think that he's too small for B.J. Penn, and I think that B.J. Penn hits hard. It's obvious he hits hard. He's changed a lot of his training tactics. His conditioning and stuff used to be a little suspect. He's gone. He's proved it. Um, you know, so I think that in, you know, I don't think he's going to take down BJ and, and just stall him out. I think BJ's pretty slick, and he's a bigger he's a bigger cat in this. So I definitely have to give it to BJ. Nice. But again, another man, great too. a great fight. Yeah, I'm ordering that man. Especially it's going to be outdoors, and it, the, it's going to be crazy, man. <laughs> I just and, got off um, the phone with Tiki. He's over there right now. Nice. How's, how's, he, how's he adjusting to the time change over there, man? Cause... It was 6 a.m., and I talked to him about an hour ago. So he was like, oh, man, I just got up. Oh, dude. And I was like, right on. So how is it? He's like, it's it's pretty interesting. It was cool. And I, I saw uh, Dana's Twitter with him wearing a, a, a thing on his head, and I started laughing. I'm like, it looks like you guys are having fun over there. <laughs> he's like, it's pretty interesting. He, Tiki's fluent Arabic, so... I'm sure he's having a good time because he can make fun of oh, everybody man. and no one has an idea of what he's talking about. Jesus Christ. Oh, he's got a little home field advantage over there. Oh, right, right. That's he did crazy. That I, I, we ended up in Costa Rica one time for a fight, Tiki and I, and uh, he speaks Spanish. And he kept telling everybody, oh, all my friends are gay. So he, all these girls were laughing. And I kept going, what you, wait, I kind of speak a little Spanish. So I'm like, wait, did you say? So I, every time we meet people, I'd be spent trying to spend, say in broken English, no, no, I'm not gay. And I was like, oh, what the hell? So, yeah, I'm sure <laughs> a great time over there, just clowning on everybody behind the back. That's great. Yeah, when I, um, I looked at the, the UFC magazine and I saw, I saw the island and, all, and where they're going to do it, I was like, wow, this is, this is, this is fucking huge. <laughs> when they're building an arena yeah. for this, it, it's a problem. I was like, yeah, this is a problem. But, um, well, and all those dudes have those. All those dudes have so much loot. You just got to imagine, like everybody wants to sit on the floor. So you know what I mean? It's like it's got to be one crazy spectacle. Well, they had asked Dana about the weather, and he was worried about the wind kicking sand into the octagon. 
That would, <laughs> that would be random. Yeah. I did fly yeah, one that, time in the rain, though, so that could be interesting. Sand, that would be a little... Getting your eye, though, might mess you up. Yeah, the sand the sand might might be bad, especially, you know, especially if you got to go to the ground and do any kind of groundwork because the sand burning into your skin is not going to help. Yeah, that would definitely suck. Yeah. Um, Matt Hughes and Henzo Gracie. Um, I think I call this one like it's going to be. Matt Hughes is going to take him down and stall him out. He's going to get him inside mount and hold him, and then it's going to turn into a scramble. But how is Henzo Gracie planning on ever taking Matt Hughes down? Uh-huh. It's true, because yeah. Matt Hughes might go on use the lay and pray to squeeze out a decision. He may, he may use the lay and pray in the later rounds if he's smart, like if he, you know what I mean, and dance around all the time and anti-wrestle and pop him with punches. That fight, not so interested in watching, but... Really? I'm, I, that, that, you know, a lot of people are like, oh, Gracie's going to go in there and avenge his losses and blah, blah, blah. Wow, you're one of the first. You're, well, actually, you're the second person. It's like, eh. <laughs> you're like, eh. It's not going to be... Yeah, it. just, so, you know right. what I mean? You're asking me. I'm a striker, so I want to see I want to see dudes stand and bang it out and try to kill each other on their feet. But, hey, you never know. You can't, you know, it's a, he's a Gracie, so you can't ever... And no catch fighting system. Legit, so... Could be a good fight, but you know me, I'd rather watch two down there just throw down. Oh yeah, pummel, pummel the hell out of each other. You know, especially right? with Muay Thai being being your thing, man. It's it's one of those things where you know striking striking fights are always good, and it's funny because you know, of course, we gotta we gotta fall off the wagon a little bit. Whenever the fights go to the ground and the fans start booing, I gotta ask you as a fighter, how do you feel when when the crowd starts booing from that from that standpoint? You know what? From sitting sitting in the in the cage and actually going to work and they boo, it frustrates me a little bit, but it pushes, the, it, to me, it pushes the tempo where I'm like, oh, okay, they're getting pissed. All right, uh, and I'll, I'll try to push the pace. From the outside, when I hear them boo, I'm like, dude, okay, take it easy, you guys. You've probably never done, like, more than 30 minutes on a treadmill. You know what I mean? Like, fighting is <laughs> a serious thing. It's not like, you know what I mean? It's, this is the ultimate competition. You have to train like an Olympic athlete, but at the end of the day, you're actually fighting someone on top of it all. So when people boo, I'm like, really? Really? You don't see me going to your job and booing at you. Like, that's whack. Yeah, I was. I, I had I had to ask because there was a there, we had a debate about it last week, and one of the guys, you know, he was saying, he's like, look, man, He's like, you know, if I pay money and I go over there, you know, I'm entitled to boo. And I'm like, uh, okay, but, you know, you got to also t- take into consideration that yeah, these guys are fucking bleeding for you. <laughs> They're bleeding yeah, I, for your entertainment, you know. Do you want to, you know, like, I can understand booing for every other sport. We all boo, but it's like, these guys are killing each other in there. You really want to boo this? I remember, I remember cornering Tito. He fought Frank Shamrock, and it was... Uh, in oh, Charles, God. Louisiana, and it was, it was years Great ago. Great space. And, and I remember it was in this little, like, tiny place. It looked like a high school auditorium at the time there, but it was like the Civic Center, I think, of Lake Charles, Louisiana. And as we were walking oh, through the crowd, people were so wasted because it was the main event. They were throwing beers and going, pussies, and, like, talking all this smack. And I was like, wow. And, like, how far the sport has gone since then. It's, it's like light years, but it's funny. Remembering that, I was like, wow, okay, these guys have probably never really been in a legitimate fight. Yeah, they're calling everybody pussy and stuff. I was like, right on, okay, what? That That's, it just bugs me out, man, especially when it goes to the ground. It's like, you know there's two sides to a fight. Not every fight is going to be highlight reel enough or nothing. I've seen some, some bad submissions. You know, I saw I saw when Shinya Aoki broke that guy's arm, and I was like, yeah, that's why you don't boo the ground game. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, <laughs> Somebody's no, arm gets broken. Cool. 
it's cool when you know, understand the ground game, and then you can appreciate it. Because when they hit the floor, that's a whole other fight. And if you don't understand, then you usually you're not an educated fan. You boo. Oh, it's gay. They're humping each other. When you when you realize what they're doing, and you're like, that guy's working on his armor. That guy, no way. Oh, did you see the way he passed? Then it gets really interesting. It's fun. And if you're an educated fan, you don't have time to boo or make noise because you're like so in, enthralled and like, wow, these guys are, you know, these guys are doing work on the ground. But that's where you that's where you figure out the fans. You know, you watch Japanese fans. You know, you could hear a pin drop when when pride fights are going on. And that's in a hundred thousand seat arena. Oh yeah, I am. You know, I'm a I'm a wrestling fan also. So you know, I watch. You know, I've I've seen Japanese pro wrestling. They're super quiet, man. You don't hear yeah, a peep out of those guys. Yeah, you can hear a mouth fart. Well, you know, it, it's <laughs> funny about the boot. <laughs> no, you got a good one in there. I just threw um, that one in there. <laughs> that happens. No harm in that. The um the reason That's I asked you too was because. Oh, <laughs> oh the, man, um, two in a row. The Hardy and GSP fight. You yeah. know, they were booing when it went to the ground. How you know? How, how'd you feel? I mean, how'd you feel about Hardy's performance? Um, you got you to gotta hand it to Hardy for not giving up, which is awesome. You know what I mean? He went in there, but, and he was tough. I, I thought he should have got his arm broken a couple times, and he just didn't tap. And I was like, wow, that guy is, you know, that guy is just going for it. But to get to a third point where you're like, hey, dude, if you're going to be fighting the main event fight and stuff, you should have, I don't know. GSP is just that good. He makes people look that bad. That's what I'm assuming. Because it was like, wow, dude, come on. You can't, get, you can't get back to your feet? Jeez, dig some underhooks. Come on, climb the fence, something. <laughs> oh, yeah, I could imagine you yelling at your TV as a fighter. You're like, come on, man, come on. Come, come. You know, we'll walk off the cage. Do this, do yeah, that. Yeah, I'm like, come on, dude, get back to, really? You don't know that? Really? Oh, jeez, okay. Oh, oh, he's in the door. Oh, what's happening? Ah, oh, he's still on the ground. Yeah. Well, GSP fought a very smart fight. You know, hey, do what you got to do to win. And that's what he did. You know, what do you need? Well, you know, give the guy a chance and dance around on his feet? Hey, maybe, you know, Matt Sarah oh, no. with him, so, hey, yeah, why, why give, you know, win the fight convincingly? He oh, did. yeah, he didn't want that at all. He didn't want to get clipped, but it was funny because Dan Hardy, Dan Hardy went on, on MMA Junkie afterwards, and he was saying that GSP didn't take any risks in the fight. He knew that, you know, the strength was striking. He wouldn't stand. He would just shoot him for the takedown. That's what every kind of guy says after he gets taken down and looks like a jack off on the ground on his back. You know what I mean? You just got to sack up and learn. Hey, you might be the man on your feet, but you got to get on the mat. You become a white belt. Learn how to do the rolls. Learn how to get back to your feet and learn how to anti-wrestle. If you're that good on your feet, you got to be that good at anti-wrestling. If you're not, then you better learn how to at least do some submissions. And if not, you should probably get another job, like not doing all the <laughs> fighting. Well, it's funny because you, you as a, as, as a stand-up, you know, as a stand-up fighter, as a Muay Thai practitioner, how does it feel that when, you know, you got to really start evolving your game and start going into, you know, more, more ground fighting just in case and learning submissions, you know, how how did the experience work for you when you got to that stage when it was like, fuck, I gotta, I gotta, there's more wrestlers coming in, shit, I got to learn how to do that. You know, how, how did you start prep work for that? Were you like, all right, let me start with some wrestling first, or did you just dive in and try and get a little bit of everything under your belt? What, I was so, because I was smashing people with tie boxing when I crossed over, that I was so cocky at the time that I was like, dude, I was literally calling Dana on his personal cell phone, going, Dana, what's up? Hey, it's Fraser. Yeah, bro. Hey, can you get me in the UFC this week? You know, can you, can you give me in a fight against somebody? And he's like, and he was, and he goes, Razor, I'm going to be totally honest with you, bro. I, I totally would, man. He goes, Tito said you weren't ready. 
he wanted you to get a couple, like, you know, King of the Cage or something fights, you know, get a couple W's, and then, you know, we'll, we'll bring you in, bro. He's like, but I, I would. He's like, I've seen you fight. I, I love you. I'm a huge fan. So I was like, Tito's a hater, bro. And and the reality <laughs> is, if I would if I would have went in, then I would have got held, held, taken down and held, and made it look like an idiot. So th- on national TV. So thank God he didn't. You know, he didn't let he didn't let me go. So I I learned my lickings. You know, I I got in there. I fought some really good guys, and they took me down. And I was like, hey, I'm gonna get up in a minute. And I realized hey, I don't really know how to get up. Climb the fence. <laughs> well, climb the fence sounds really good when you when you kind of know what's going on, but when you're like, oh, I'm just going to climb, the- oh, okay, this guy's pulling me off the fence and pulling me down. So learning it, you know, becoming the white belt and, you know, taking off my cockiness and getting a little humbled, that was the reality of it all, and that's when I went, I want to learn how to do this, and I want to become, I don't want to become a good striker who crossed over, I want to become an ultimate fighter. And when I when I started saying, yeah, dude, you know, what do you do for a living? Uh, I do ultimate fighting. Oh, you do? Yeah. You always get some guys like, oh, yeah, I wrestle, bro, I wrestle. I'm like, cool, I can wrestle, too. I've wrestled enough where I could be, you know, considered a Division One guy at this point because I've done so much wrestling. I'm like, cool, right on, bro, let's wrestle. You want to wrestle? You want to do stand-up? So the reality is you got to put in the hard work, and you got to be at least, you know what I mean, at least, you know, a blue belt in jiu-jitsu, at least, you know, a level wrestling, at least, you know what I mean, like a pro boxer or kickboxer status because the guys are evolving so fast. Well, it, you know, that's one of the things that I always like. I like well when the, when the strikers start showing a little bit more dynamic to their game. They start winning by submissions. I know that with you especially, you know, you, you, you got great stand-up, and I'm more than sure these guys are going to come out, and they're ready to stand and bang. But I know that you have that little ace up your sleeve where you're like, you know, if this goes to the ground, I could probably choke this guy out. And, you know, it has to feel good, especially when some of these guys you know are so one-dimensional. It, it does, and it's cool, and... The the cool thing is, I never really pull it out because most people are like, you know, they're, they're like, okay, wait a minute, this guy is a lot stronger than I thought, or like, this guy's got like pretty good wrestling. What the? Or did he just take me down? So it it kind of throws people off. But yeah, you know what I mean. I don't want to stray too far from my game. I like punching and kicking people, and and I think that's what the fans like to see. So, but I do that stuff in the gym when I'm you know messing around. I love to to get in there and roll because there's always you know I mean like playing chess there really is so many moves and a counter move to that move and it, it's fun it's fun to teach it's fun to it's fun to learn and you know, it's a great it really is the ultimate sport yeah I'm, I'm i'm very happy i'm you know i've been a big supporter especially it's hard because you know it's not sanctioned here in new york and it try you know trying to get it passed and trying to get it passed and you know, a lot of fighters out here are, are on the grind trying to get it to happen. So, you know, it's like I have to I have to enjoy what I can on TV. You know, 111 was in Jersey. I, you know, the tickets were an arm and a leg. And, and you know, it bugs me. You, you, you're good, man, because on the West Coast, you've got such a huge MMA presence. You know, you can go and you can watch Smokers. You can watch small shows. You can watch Strike Force. <laughs> you got it made, man. <laughs> I definitely, yeah, I definitely uh, got no qualms with the West Coast and the mixed martial arts team. Well, the, la- the, the last question of the night is um, the um, issue that Dana White has with teammates fighting each other, and, and, the, and a lot of the guys are, you know, that are on the same team, especially like right now, you know, the AKA guys, Koscheck and Fitch, oh, we're not going to fight each other. How, how do you feel about that, especially, you know, you being part of Team Punishment and, you know, the, things of that nature? If you were put in that predicament, how, how would you handle it? Um, you know what, the, the the second that you decide that's what you want to do for a living and you want to be a professional fighter, the reality is, the reality is you got to, 
you got to realize that the guys in your weight class, the guys in your weight class, you're going to have to eventually fight. So what happens is you end up sizing everybody up. That's what I ended up doing. They're, oh, hey, this guy's going to be part of team punishment. I'm like, oh, right on, cool. That that doesn't take him out as potentially being an opponent one day. So it's always like, you know, and that's, that's the reality of it. you got to look at it. But being on the outside, coach and having to deal with that, that, that really sucks because you're like, wow, that, that's an unfair advantage. You know, like, oh, this guy knows he's good at this, but that guy knows he's not good at that. So it sucks. But, you know, I mean, sometimes that's just the way it goes. Yeah, I mean, it, it bothers me just because it, there, there are entertaining fights in those camps. You know, like Koscheck and Fish would be would be an awesome fight. You know, and or, you know, Jardine and... And, and Evans, and, you know, as soon as I hear, no, I don't want to fight this guy, you know, I understand Dana's frustration in it not being a team sport. And I definitely like how you looked at it. You're like, look, man, you know, size up your opponents. If you got to go in there, we got to bang, we bang, you know. It's not, you, know I, I, you know, we'll still be boys tomorrow, but, but today, today you're a paycheck. <laughs> today I'm whooping your ass, you know. That's the reality of it. Like, I saw a kid Cope came over, and he was with Team Punishment for a little bit, and he was helping Tito train, and you know, what I mean, I, I'd seen him uh, come up through the ranks in Thai boxing. We were the same weight class at one point when he was Thai boxing, and then he jumped up, and then he came back down. So I had a feeling that one day he could be an opponent. And then when we ended up fighting each other, he was like, "Ah, oh, what's up, bro?" Like we had gotten drunk like on Fourth of July before the fight, and then which was a couple months before the fight. And then when we fought each other, it was you know we fought in January, and we had you know we're drinking in on July. He was like, ah, oh, what's up, you know, oh, yeah, and he was trying to be buddy-buddy, and I was like, hey, bro, the second that this is on, this is, you know, this is all business for me, and he was trying to be Plus, funny, it was, Charlie funny guy. And it was for the belt, man. And it was for the belt, so I was like, right <laughs> on, dude, you know, we can joke, and I'll buy you a beer afterwards, but I'm going to a victory party, I don't know where you're going. That's what's up, man, I, I appreciate that. Well, you know what, I'm, I'm going to let you rock so you can uh, go with the baby. Um, cool of course, stuff, Razor Clothing. RazorClothing.tv, you can see Razor Rob on The Ultimate Fighter. Rob, I appreciate you coming on, man. I know we, we, we've been missing the connections, man, but, you know, uh, I'll catch you on Twitter. You know, I, I appreciate you taking the time to come in and, and talk with me tonight, dude. It, it, it meant a lot. Oh, but um, we, we're going to try and get that Razor Clothing presence on the East Coast, man, for sure. There you go. There you go. Sounds like a plan, bro. All right, man. I appreciate it. Thanks a lot, dude. Have a good night. Uh, give Cruz a sure. kiss from me and the missus. <laughs> I will, I will. Thanks, guys. All right, brother. Have a good night. Peace. Bye. You too. Bye. All right, folks. That was Razor Rob. He has left the building. Um, definitely appreciate Razor Rob coming on. Stop by RazorClothing.tv. You can uh, check out some of the great clothes that they put out for men and for women. So that's RazorClothing.tv. I'm going to put that link in the show notes and also you'll see it on the site as well in the guest links. Uh, again, props to Razor Rob for coming on. Um, definitely thanks to my missus for putting that together and making it happen. Uh, thanks, babe. Appreciate it. All right. Um, of course, before Rob came on, we got to talk a little bit about wrestling, and we're going to go into some game news. There's some stuff from last week that I missed out on. Um, of course... Uh, I'll start with some of last week's stuff. If you guys know about it, I apologize. But I just want to try and clear my plate. First off, for those of you that are or have been playing Heavy Rain and plan on selling it, don't because it's going to be getting PlayStation Move support soon. It's not sure when 
but it's going to happen probably in the fall. You know, Heavy Rain is a game that a lot of people have been playing already, and some people have already finished. And I'm a little bummed that those people that finished it probably got rid of it and aren't going to be able to check out the motion control. But if you do have it, I recommend you hold on to it simply because you'll be able to use some motion control for it. Also, um, what did I have left from last week? Actually, that was pretty much it from last week. Let's get into some of this week's game news, because there are quite a few. Um, first off, uh, Core, the uh, PlayStation Network show, revealed that when the PlayStation 3 gets the 3D update this summer, the following games will be 3D compatible. Gran Turismo 5, Killzone 2, Little Big Planet, Wipeout Fury, Super Stardust HD, and Invincible Tiger, The Legend of Han Tao, which I actually have on the 360. So uh, I'm hoping the 360 gets that 3D update as well. Of course, Sony added that there will be more announcements within the next couple of months, and glasses will be required for 3D gaming on the PS3. Now, the thing that it puts into perspective is, for those of us that don't have 3D TVs at the moment, um, hopefully there will be software updates that will allow the 3D gaming to work at least somewhat decently. I mean, I updated the firmware on my, on my HDTV last night, I don't know if Sharp, which is the TV, the, the manufacturer of my TV, is going to put out a 3D firmware update. I hope so. I'm really not in the mood to buy a new TV just yet. And if that is the case, then I'll just wait till I get a new place so I can buy it. Um, also, uh, for the Xbox 360 crowd, uh, Microsoft released, um, well, they put out their release schedule for April for Xbox Live games, and these are some of the following things you can do. Of course, the newest uh, Xbox Live update allows you to do external USB drives. Um, you can do 16 gigs per flash drive. You'll be able to use two drives simultaneously. The Avatar Marketplace is going to start getting gear for Splinter Cell Conviction on April 13th and, for, and Forza Motorsport 3 clothing on the 15th. Um, Final Fight Double Impact will be available on Xbox Live Arcade on April 14th. It's going to run you 800 Microsoft points. And um, some of the deals of the week, you're going to get Geometry Wars Retro Evolved for 400 Microsoft points. And also April 12th, you'll be able to get Left 4 Dead's uh, Crash Course for 320 points and The Maw for 400 points. April 19th, you'll be able to get the Zombie Island of Dr. Ned for Borderlands for 400 points. Also, if you've picked up Mega Man... For the Xbox 360, you'll be able to get Bass and Specials and Special Stage 1, which was released on April 7th for 80 points, and the Road and Track Car Pack for Forza Motorsport 3 for 400 points, and you'll be able to get that April 13th. Um, THQ also took the opportunity earlier today, and they announced details for the upcoming UFC Undisputed 2010 demo. Four fighters are going to be featured. You're going to get uh, Shogun, Machida, Rashad, and Rampage. You'll be able to use all four fighters in the offline tournament and exhibition mode. Um, odds are that you'll be able to play that demo about a month before Undisputed 2010 comes out. So you might be able to expect it later this month. Not 100% certain. If not, maybe the first week of May. And you'll be able to get that on the PlayStation Network as well as Xbox Live. Um, Edge Magazine reported recently that Gears of War 3 is what Cliffy B is going to be announcing next week on Jimmy Fallon. 
some of the things that they discussed will be new areas, of course, um, some underwater levels. There's also going to be new members of the Locust Horde that have tentacles that will reach and try and grab you when you cover. There's also going to be new underground explosives. There's also going to be a mech suit, and all of this stuff will be available in single-player as well as multiplayer mode. Of course, Cliff Blazinski said that, of course, he's not going to comment on rumors or speculation. Um, before I go into the movie news, a little, a little note about uh, Mr. Cliff Blazetsky. I'll tell you something funny. I, um, I actually messaged him on Twitter about being a guest on the show, and um, he didn't give me a real pleasant answer, quite honestly. I, I pretty much got played uh, by, by, by Cliffy on Twitter. And nonetheless, while I am a fan of Gears of War, I definitely was not impressed with his response. I would have just appreciated a simple no would have sufficed. Nonetheless, unfortunately, that, that's the way shit goes. I mean, you know, he probably thought I was just some, some douchebag trying to get some swag or something, but, you know, unfortunately, I was trying to get him for you guys, and uh, he didn't respond in kind. So figured I would uh, let you guys know about that. I've been trying to um, not go public with a lot of the uh, dismissals from some of the people that I'm trying to get for the show, but unfortunately, i got to tell you, that, you know, with, with Cliff, I was, I was definitely annoyed just because, you know, I approached him via the show account on Twitter. I stated my case, and, you know, there was pretty much no, you know, and not no outright, but just a, a sarcastic answer. And then I sent him another message, like, you know, you know, sarcasm duly noted, you know, would you like to be a guest? And he was still like, eh, eh no. I'm like, all right, that's cool. And um, also with a fellow show, with a fellow podcast that's a little bit uh, higher up the, the scale than I am at the present moment, they, uh, they didn't even respond, quite honestly. I mean, I, I've discussed who it is with Slick, and I'm not going to get into any um, interpromotional wars, so to speak, because I know some of you guys, you guys are ride or die, and you'll make it difficult for that other show. So let's just say um, another show kind of fell through in terms of working with MTR. Nonetheless, with that being said, I'm going to take a quick commercial break, and we are going to get into some movie news. I believe there is a caller on hold. I can't tell for sure. If you are on hold, I will take your call right after this commercial break. I wonder what's on tonight, even. Tonight at 10 on your local news. I said to Jesus, Jesus, can you say this is the deal of the century, people? I'm telling you. So Jason, uh, what, what I mean, what, what are we doing tonight? Tumbling with tumbleweed, Tuesday nights at 10 p.m. BlogTalkRadio.com, Eastern Standard Time. Do you even know, Jason? Jason, are you there? All right, and we're back. Right before we go into the movie news, we are going to take a call, and I believe it is Waffles. Waffles, up, you're on the air, going? dude. What's, What's up, going man? on, How's brother? Well, I want to go back to the 3D section, uh, like for the gaming. Go ahead, dude. Um, Let's hear it. All right. First off, though, bullshit. You gotta pay to get a 3D TV. How much money are you gonna spend there? A couple, like what, 300 more, 500, and that's already bull. Then you got the games that are going to 3D, 
And I don't know, 3D with games just does not work well unless you work like in games with explosions. Games that have like explosions and shit like that, I could understand in 3D. But like Gran Turismo, how you mentioned, I can't see that. Like if it was real D 3D, I would love to see that because it would feel like you're there. You wouldn't have shit popping out to you. You wouldn't have like a car making it look like it's about to hit you with them in the face. Correct? Okay. Well, you know what it is, though? And you gotta, you got to look at it like this, too, Waffles. The fact of the matter is these companies are, are all about making that paper. And the fact is that if, if they can put out a firmware update and get people with that and your TV can get an update, then all you basically got to do is buy some glasses. Now, again, it's true. Some of the games aren't going to really benefit from the 3D treatment. But you know what? Neither did some movies. But I think um, Little Big Planet, and I'm sure... Slick can attest to that. We actually got to see that in 3D on a 3D TV, and it, it, it looked really nice, man. I mean, don't get me wrong, the, the, the television was 3D as, as, as well, but we also got to see 3D on a television that wasn't 3D, where the Blu-ray player was, the, was doing all the work. And the 3D, while not as crisp, was still good. I, I mean, it's not going to work for every game, and I like the, the possibility that Sony is allowing you that, that chance. They're like, hey, our system does 3D gaming. You want to play your game in 3D? Here you go. You know, it's, it's, it's a choice. It's not something that they're forcing on you, but I definitely can tell you that certain games are going to look fantastic, like Wipeout definitely in 3D and Killzone for sure. Um, Gran Turismo, I, I'd like to see it. I would definitely like to see something like that demoed. I mean, personally... Yeah, as as a gamer, what's a game that you feel would benefit from the 3D treatment? Well, that's what like I said. Like first person shooters, any games that would like have either like something that's supposed to pop out to you, because like you know how there's 3D and there's real D 3D, and with the real right. D 3D, that makes you feel like you're right there with the game or movie, with whichever one you're actually looking at. But think about like for fighting games. Street Fighter 4, or any Street Fighter, like say if they have the original Street Fighter in real D 3D, instead of everything looking flat, you can actually see the detail like if you're in the screen and you wouldn't have anything popping out to you. So that's why they should also work with real D 3D also, besides just regular 3D. Okay, I, I see what you're saying. You know what's funny with that? With Street Fighter 4, it's funny you bring that up. Because Street Fighter 4 was, was created uh, 2D on a 3D background. So let's say the PS3 put a firmware 3D update. Street Fighter 4 probably, what you're going to end up seeing in 3D is going to be the backgrounds. Like it's going to look like they're really fighting in the street. Which is, which is going to be cool, but it's not going to be great, you know. I mean, Slick said it in the chat. It's going to be utterly pointless because there's not going to be, um, like, it's not like the Ultras are going to be in 3D. Like, you know, it's not like a spinning pile driver that Zangief does is going to come out of the screen and then exactly. go back into the screen. You know, I, I agree. I mean, it's just all a matter of implementation, and, you know, 3D is the magic buzzword. Trust me, I don't really feel comfortable. It's bad enough that when you play games, you've got to throw on a headset, you know, you got the controller, then you've got to wear a pair of fucking glasses, too. It's like, it's like what, 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 what's next, a spacesuit? I've got to put on a spacesuit so I can play a game? <laughs> you know, it, it's getting way too crazy. Yeah, it's, it's, getting into, it's getting into crazy accessory territory, you know. It's one of those things, while it is cool, it's, you know, I think, you know, it's, it's certain games are going to look fantastic, and then you're going to have some games that you're like, really? 
But you know what it is? Sony's giving people that option, which I like. It's like, hey, dude, we do 3D. You want to fuck with it? Knock yourselves out. You know, without having to rebuy a game, you know? True. But uh, they should be more specific on which game should be 3D. Because it seems like they're going to try to make more of the like future gaming, like all the future ones, into 3D, if they keep it up. Well... Well, the truest 3D game that's out there is Avatar and uh, the hand, the the legend, the handheld Legend of Kung Fu game. Those games, if you have a 3D TV right now, they're real 3D completely. The Avatar game in particular, and I know handheld is because they plugged it as being 3D, and I actually got to see some 3D gameplay, and it was it was fairly fairly badass, but not you know it wasn't didn't blow my mind. But it definitely was cool, you know. Alright, it's even. Uh, well, yeah, I could work with that. Yeah, see, that I can understand. Well, I, I think you know, it's one of those things. Like I said, that Sony's just putting it out there, like, hey, we do this now. It's like anything else, you know. It's a pissing contest between them and Microsoft. It always has been, it always will be, you know? It's like with the Netflix thing. When Microsoft got Netflix, everybody, you know, PS3 owners were like, what the fuck, man? You know, our system plays fucking Blu-rays. Why can't we get Netflix? Oh, well, you know, you need a disc to do it. Why do we need a disc? That's fucking stupid. That's gay. You know, it's, it's stuff like that that, that you know, it's always going to be a pissing contest, so watch what happens. Sony's going to go and say, we gave these guys 3D gaming. And they're going to turn around and say, Oh, yeah? Well, guess what? We're going to give 360 gamers 3D also. And they're just going to find a way to do it a little better. Or, or they're going to be like, every 3D game you get, any, any game you buy going forward that has 3D capabilities will include a free pair of glasses. You know, they're going to do some shit like that. It's always going to be about outdoing the other guy. Nintendo's probably going to be like, Super Mario Galaxy 2 is going to be in 3D via firmware. That actually, that game would be badass in 3D. True. Yeah, but we'll see what happens, dude. I mean, the su- the the summer's right around the corner. Somebody's gonna get it really right, and somebody's gonna get it really wrong. <laughs> yeah. There you go. You got anything else, bro? No, that's it. I'm gonna be waiting for the movie rage. <laughs> oh yeah, you're you're gonna love this, man, because there is, there's some gems this week. Oh, I can't wait. Trust me, I can't wait. <laughs> All right, dude. All right. Thanks for calling. All right. No problem. Later. All right. Later. All right. Let's get into some movie news. First off, I'm going to I'm gonna talk about some older news first because there's some stuff from last week that was utter horse shit. First off, um, Angelina Jolie's interested in playing the role of Maleficent in the upcoming Tim Burton Disney film based on Sleeping Beauty, except, of course, this movie is going to be told from the point of view of the villain. Uh, Linda Wolverton, who wrote Alice in Wonderland, is writing the film. Uh, Tim Burton hasn't signed yet, or nor has he committed to the project, but Angelina Jolie has taken interest, but her involvement is going to hinge on Tim Burton's involvement. So definitely something to look forward to. I mean, Tim Burton and, and Disney, it, it's always good stuff. I mean, the, uh, the character of Maleficent is really cool. I think Angelina Jolie would do a really great job with it. So definitely something to keep an eye on. Also... Uh, the crew at Legendary Pictures have officially secured the rights to Godzilla from Toho Company. 
Um, they will be creating a new Godzilla movie that will be coming out in 2012. And, of course, there's already rumors circulating that the film will be in 3D. One of the things i got to say, um, Slick was by my house last Friday, and we watched the quote-unquote last Godzilla movie, which is Final Wars. Um, the Japanese were very upset with our American, interpre- with our American interpretation of Godzilla. And the fact is that, for me, Final Wars was good in the sense that they acknowledged all of Godzilla's monsters, and the, and the Godzilla costume used in that movie was as best as, it, as I've ever seen it. And, you know, I'm a big fan of the kaiju movies. I'm, I'm huge into that shit, you know, from Gamera to King Caesar, Jet Jaguar, Godzilla vs. I watched all that shit religiously. And um, Waffles just corrected me that they did create a Godzilla movie after Final Wars. If that's the case, I need to find it immediately because it was my understanding that Final Wars was the last one. Thanks for that, Waffles. Now i got some homework to do. Nonetheless, I think that Godzilla would benefit well if he maintained... They didn't try and reinvent the wheel and say, oh, we're going to make a new lizard and blah, blah, blah. Don't, don't do that shit. Just uh, make him look the way he's always looked and maybe, you know... Godzilla is a very simple formula. Godzilla destroys Tokyo. Bigger monster comes in, destroys Tokyo. Godzilla whoops bigger monster's ass. Japanese people wave. Godzilla goes into the ocean. That's it. That, that's, that's as simple as, as it gets. Oh, Godzilla. Dude, I own Godzilla SOS. That's, that's fucking old. That was just a remake of another movie. Yeah, Godzilla SOS is an old flick, Waffles. But um, I own that shit. But thanks anyway. It's my knowledge that Final Wars was the last one. So as of now, unless I find something different, Final Wars was the last flick. Um, Cinema Blend is reporting that Rachel Wise is being considered as playing the lead villain in the next Bond film. She would be the, one of the first female lead villains. She would be playing the, the head of the Quantum Organization. That's the organization that was giving James Bond trouble in the last two movies. So... Definitely something to look forward to. She's not just going to be a Bond babe. She would actually play the mastermind behind everything that's been happening to the Daniel Craig, James Bond. I'm actually looking forward to that. Rachel Wise is a great actress. Um, And I think it would just be a different spin on the 007 film, so that's definitely something to look forward to. Um, Kick-Ass director Matthew Vaughn is working on a new project after Kick-Ass. He's going to be working on a film adaptation of the Valiant Comics book, Bloodshot. The movie, uh, Bloodshot actually came out in two volumes for Valiant. He's going to be primarily focusing on Volume 2, which is about a character named Angelo, who's a reanimated government assassin who's on the run and is trying to figure out his identity before the government transformed him. Uh, Vaughn is writing that script with Jane Goldman, who wrote Stardust and Kick-Ass for him. So definitely think that that's going to be a really cool character if done right. And given Matthew Vaughn's um, perfect accuracy that... Uh, in terms of kick-ass and in, in terms of delivering something true to the book. Definitely looking forward to it, especially when you're going obscure like Bloodshot. So that's definitely something to look forward to for sure. Also, for those of you that are fans of 24 and know that 24 is obviously going to be canceled, uh, take heart in the fact that there will be a 24 film that's going to be coming out that's going to wrap up everything. So know that when 24 is over, you'll get to see a 24 movie. Also... There was a report put out recently that they're going to be making a film of the graphic novel 13 Steps. 
For those of you that are unfamiliar with 13 Steps, it's the story of a 20-something kid who lives with his mother who ends up locking himself in a room once a month to prevent himself from killing people. And he ends up joining a group therapy program for monsters. But he finds himself caught up, caught up in some shit. And, you know, it's going to basically be a horror comedy. And the reason it's called 13 Steps is because monsters require, uh, a, a, you know, a 13 steps, a 13 step as opposed to your typical 12-step program. So definitely something to look forward to. It's going to definitely be done in the uh, Shaun of the Dead scheme, and the kid's going to be a werewolf. So definitely something that's going to be interesting for sure. Um, I don't mind the graphic novels getting treatments just because it's, it's taking away from the remakes, and it's allowing newer and more um, original ideas to come forth, you know, things like Kick-Ass, uh, things like Wanted, you know, it, sh- it, should, it should definitely be interesting. I want to see it play out because the kid is a werewolf. So I want to see how it works in terms of him, you know, who they're going to pick for the character, what the 12 steps are, what the 13th step is going to be. It should definitely be interesting. Um, IESB reported that our buddy Will Smith has signed on for not one, but two Independence Day sequels. If true, the movies are going to be shot from back-to-back and they should start shooting in 2011. Now, the fact is, Independence Day, I worked in a movie theater when Independence Day came out. Independence Day was an awesome film in 1996. Now I watch it, and all I think, and Slick said it best, is Will Smith's like, welcome to Earth. Because he doesn't say Earth, you know, T-H. He's like, welcome to Earth. It's, it's, we're going to have two more Welcome to Earths. That's all I'm going to hear in my head. I mean, Independence Day is one of those movies. It was great. You know, it was a great feel-good movie in 1996. Five bucks says it'll be in 3D. But we'll see what happens. Our buddy Megan Fox recently turned down the role for Lara Croft in the next Tomb Raider movie because she, quote-unquote, doesn't want to be compared with Angelina Jolie. The offer had been on the table for a while, but Megan Fox reluctantly turned it down. So, there you go. Megan Fox doesn't want to be compared to Angelina Jolie. I have nothing more to say. But, you know, as I'm going through last week's news and giving you guys some of this stuff, you know there's got to be a couple of what-the-fuck moments, and it's this one. Not only are we going to get a Baywatch movie, but it's going to be in the same style as Charlie's Angels. It's going to be female-driven, and it's going to be based off the original TV series. So you guys can look forward to that. Have fun with it. Moving on. Uh, ah, how could I forget this? Two other uh, big what-the-fuck movies. Uh, Pajiba is reporting that they're looking to do a remake of Look Who's Talking. If you don't remember Look Who's Talking, it's the movie that starred Christy Alley, and John Travolta and Bruce Willis voiced the talking baby. So there's going to be a a new remake of Look Who's Talking. But it gets better. 20th Century Fox, you got to love those fucks, are doing a movie based on the E-Trade babies. Yeah, the E-Trade babies. That's right, I said it. They're going to do a movie about the E-Trade babies, and it's going to be an adventure movie, and it's going to have the talking babies trying to make their way across a playground. Yeah. See, 
the reactions I'm seeing in the chat right now are disdain, disgust, and horror. But you know what? This is what we've come to. Remakes of shitty movies and, and movies about commercials. So yeah, you guys can enjoy that. And the last bit to close out last week's news is the fact that Josh Whedon is being considered to direct the Avengers. It's either him or Louis Leterrier who is um, being considered, but he's unlikely to get the job. So Josh Whedon may uh, do the Avengers movie. So definitely something to look forward to. With that, let's get into this week's movie news. First off, another XXX movie with Vin Diesel. And it'll be in 3D. So not only do you get the return of Vin Diesel, another triple X, Samuel L. Jackson, but it'll be in 3D. There you go. That, that's it. I, I'm not even going to go into plot synopsis, no. It's just going to be triple X in 3D, Vin Diesel. Enjoy. Moving on, um, Sebastian Stan from Gossip Girl, um, according to the Heat Vision blog, has been announced as being cast as Captain America's sidekick, played by, of course, Chris Evans, Bucky Barnes. So Sebastian Stan gets to play Bucky Barnes, who will hopefully get blown up on the rocket that will in turn freeze Captain America. So there you go. Bucky has been cast. The film will start being, the movie will start being filmed this summer, and it should be coming out July 22, 2011. Um, in terms of box office numbers, I'm going to run through them quick because I know we are uh, 40, minutes, 40 minutes left in the show, so let's bang this out. Clash of the Titans, of course, was number one. Of course, a lot of people shit on it in 3D. But, uh, yeah, Clash of the Titans debuted at the top this week, $61.4 million opening weekend, more than double what the second-place film drew. The film had a gross of $64 million complete, and it had a budget of 125. If it keeps up, it should break even this week. I mean, with the negative reviews that the 3D version has been getting, don't know if it'll happen, but we'll see. Number two was Why Did I Get Married 2? I didn't even know Tyler Perry had done another one of his fucking dribble-ass movies. Doesn't Tyler Perry have anything else better to do than put on a dress and dress like a woman? He really does take a lot of enjoyment in dressing like an old lady. There might be something more to that. Somebody needs to get Tyler Perry some help. How to Train Your Dragon was number three. Came in at $29.2 million. It made 92.3 in two weeks. It had a budget of 165. I have a feeling that it's definitely going to hit that. Uh, the last song debuted at number four. Alice in Wonderland dropped to number five. Hot Tub Time Machine was six. The Bounty Hunter, which is a bag of shit, is down to number seven. Diary of a Wimpy Kid is 8, She's Out of My League is 9, and Shutter Island is 10. Moving on, you know, it wouldn't be a movie segment without some more talk of Megan Fox. She turned down Lara Croft, but she's been offered the role of Red Sonia. So she goes from playing, possibly, Lara Croft to possibly playing Red Sonia. Originally, the role was being reserved for Rose McGowan and Robert Rodriguez was producing McGowan is off the project, and, you know, obviously they need somebody, so Megan Fox may be Red Sonia. Yeah, you guys can just absorb that for a little bit. Nonetheless, uh, it seems Slick is going to call in, and he's got a little black rage 
Let's see what he has to say. What do you got, my friend? What's up, man? <laughs> uh, you tell me. Fucking Megan Fox, man. <laughs> what do you expect, what? dude? Come on. What a freaking waste of a skeet target that bitch is. Well, you know what it is? I'm you like, got to take into account. She is, you always got to take advantage of the chick that's buzzworthy. Lindsay Lohan was one. Christina Ricci at one point was one. It happens. And what's going to happen is they're going to try and pigeonhole her into all these big-budget movies to get her more exposure. It was just a matter of what movie she was going to be in. Tomb Raider might have worked. I definitely think she probably would have done a real shitty English accent. So you know what? Better that she didn't do it. Red Sonja, look, let's call it like we see it. Red Sonja's Conan with tits, all right? Red Sonja's naked or half-naked throughout a majority of her books. And, and the plot is paper thin. You know, the books are good, but it, it, it is, it, come on, man. Like, like let's, let's, let's be real and look at shit for what it is. I know, I know it upsets you, obviously. And, you know, you know that Megan Fox is talentless. I understand that. But let's look at it from the, the standpoint of how can we get more men into the theater? Oh, let's make a movie about a chick that's scantily clad that swings a sword around and kills shit. That'll do it. <laughs> My thing is, <clears throat> your last movie was freaking Jennifer's Body. I'm like, they can't give that shit away. I, I think I saw that thing today in a, pre, a, a pre-owned bin in 7-Eleven. Yep. I, I'm not lying. I mean, don't get me wrong. I saw the movie. It was, it was abysmal. It was. You know, the, the, the fact that I can consider Teeth a better movie, and it's just about, you know, a, 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 a vagina with fangs, shows that, you know, Megan Fox's acting talent is shitty. But you've got to take into account the movies that she's being given. You know, she's being given popcorn flicks with largely female, you know, with a large female lead who, you know, is either scantily clad, you know tight outfits, you know, they're playing on her strengths, which is not her acting ability. Not to say that she sucks, because who knows, maybe she's just playing her scope, you know, what they tell her to play. But, and that's me personally, I'm like, either you're an idiot, or you have the worst freaking, um, what do you call it, agent on earth, because I'm like, you should have took Tomb Raider, because you could have redeemed yourself a little bit with it, you would have really appeal to your demographic because you got the freaking teenage to to young adult and, you know, like mid-twenties guy that, that just basically wants to see you naked anyway. You could have, right. like, you know, got a half-decent script for Tomb Raider. You could have got a good, um, what do you call it, vocal coach and made a good English accent. And you might have made a better movie than Angelina Jolie because you never know with a good writer. I don't want to be compared I, to Angelina Jolie. You can't possibly compare to Angelina Jolie because even though her Tomb Raider movies were shit, she's light years better than you than as an actress. You you wish to be compared to Angelina Jolie. I got it. I got it. You know what, man? I got to give it to you. You're right. It, 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 with a good story and maybe a solid acting coach, she might be able to do a half decent job. But 
You know what it she's is? Got a, she's a trying to she's feet. trying to break the mold. But she that that's a mold that she should actually be going for. She's got a half decent set of tits. She looks good in a pair of tight shorts. Um, Lara Croft is a good role for you. Red Sonia is not. You're a short chick. You're I mean you're you're very well toned for a woman, but you're not like muscular. Freaking Brigitte Nielsen is like what? Eight feet tall and shit. And she's a fucking muscle. she was a huge bitch at the time. I mean she's still a huge bitch, but she was muscular at the time and she played next to fucking Arnold Schwarzenegger. First of all, who are you going to have play next to Megan Fox as Red Sonia that would even <laughs> begin to to be an Arnold Schwarzenegger character? Because any, any guy that's like even half that size is going to completely dwarf her, and the movie's going to look stupid. I mean, you're right. I, you know what it is, though? Th- this is what happens. They reach a point where they say, all right, we got all these hot actresses. What hot roles can we do that can, quote-unquote, capitalize on their hotness? Uh, Again, this is just me, you know, throwing it out there. This is what they're saying. They're like, all right, what do we got left? Lara Croft, she don't want to do it. What else do we got? Eh, uh, Batman, way too high up there for her, (laughs) you know? They're like, all right, uh, we haven't talked about Red Sonja. Dude, they had Rose McGowan at one point scheduled to play her. She's no better. Waffle said that they should have Mila Jovovich play freaking Red Sonia. Because even though she's, Mila not, she's also not muscular, she's a lot taller. Exactly. Yeah, she, she has a height for it. She's used to doing those type of movies. The only other movie that I could see Megan Fox doing that, that's anywhere in that range, and of course it's not actually a movie, but I, of course, said it should be a long time ago, is Wet. Because even though... Oh, yeah. The chick who actually voiced that chick would, you know, be a better pick than her. I'd hate to see her do that movie because Eliza Dukshu, even though she's basically just for TV, is also a better actress than Megan Fox. There you go. I mean, you know, it's one of those things we, we can we can discuss the, the nuances of Megan Fox, but you and I both know that they're trying to play on the fact that, you know, she's going to be scantily clad, the storyline will be paper thin, and you're going to get just the right demographics, and then they're just going to make sure to, to throw tons of special effects at it. Because, you know, when, when a movie sucks, nothing will make it better than lots of special effects. Special effects and tits. That's it. That's what it's going to be. Anything Jesus else, my friend? Christ. Yeah, I know. Movies are getting... But it, but it gets better. I got, a, I got, a, I got a, a gold nugget for you. Yeah, the only other thing I'm going to say right now, I mean, I might call back, is uh, next week I definitely am going to try to check out Kick-Ass in the opening weekend and get a review up on the site. That, that's fine. I have no problem with that. That'd be badass. All right, man. I'll talk to you later. You got it, brother. Thanks for calling. Peace. Oh, I guess Waffles hung up. I knew he was calling back. Uh, sorry, Waffles, but I'm more than sure you'll call back for this. Uh, Batman on Film is reporting the rumor that Emily Blunt, who was scheduled to play Captain America's love interest, is scheduled, rumored, to be playing Selina Kyle in the next Batman movie. As of now, of course, Batman on Film is saying that, it was, that it's all a rumor. 
Originally, she was being considered for the role of Rachel Dawes, which, of course, went to Maggie Gyllenhaal. So take that with a grain of salt right now that Emily Blunt uh, may be possibly Selena Kyle. We'll see what happens. Now, of course, Slick hung up, and he's going to love this. Ever so often, you know, we get all these remakes. I go on all these tangents. I, you know, piss and vinegar and rage and blah, blah, blah. But here's a good one. According to Deadline, there is going to be a remake of the fucking Toxic Avenger. Yeah. Just, Just soak that in. Toxic Avenger. Remake. It's going to be remade by Akiva Goldsman, who did I Am Legend. Richard Saperstein and Charlie Corwin will produce the project. Saperstein and Corwin are, are currently working on a Rob Zombie remake of The Blob. According to the article, the group intends to turn Toxie into a green superhero for, those, for these environmentally conscious, conscious times. So, you're going to create basically a green movie. As far as I know, not trauma, because I see people asking if it's going to be trauma. There's no mention of trauma here at whatsoever, guys. But Toxic Avenger remake. Is Hollywood really so, so down in terms of stories? I can write a movie in 10 minutes just about bullshit that's probably more creative than what's out there now. You know, Rob Zombie make remaking The Blob. Whatever, you know, it's The Blob. The Blob has been remade a thousand different ways and remade and called a thousand different things. But fucking The Toxic Avenger, that is the lowest grade B movie of all time. What are you going to do, remake Plan 9 from Outer Space with, you know, the fucking Ed Wood movie? Or, or a Waffle Set at Best, Attack of the Killer Tomatoes, you're going to remake that? Hyena put Swamp Thing. Uh, already working on it. Swamp Thing will be getting remade. And it is going to happen, so Swamp Thing is coming. So there you go, Hyena. You got your wish. Moving down the list, another what the fuck. They're already working on a sequel to Tron Legacy, even though the, the newest Tron movie doesn't come out till, till later on this year. So yeah, they're already working on a sequel to Tron, but the new Tron film isn't out yet. We'll leave it at that. Our buddies at Variety reported that Universal Pictures and Working Title Films is currently working on a sequel to the 2003 comedy Johnny English. You know, the one with Rowan Atkinson, a.k.a. the bumbling Mr. Bean. The film is going to go into production in August and will be coming out later this year. So, yeah, a sequel to Johnny English. It's... It really is horrifying what we have to look forward to. Johnny English. Let me tell you something. I like Rowan Atkinson. I like Mr. Bean. I watched Mr. Bean a lot growing up. Johnny English was shit. Johnny English is up there with Kung Pao Legend of the Fist in terms of shit. There was nothing good about Johnny English. Nothing. It's. Let me tell you something. I can watch my cat have sex with a stuffed animal, and it'll be three times more enjoyable than Johnny English is. Period. Moving on. 
a little bit of Captain America casting news. Um, right now, Kiera Knightley is out as the love interest for the role of Peggy Carter. The only two women that are being considered right now are Alice Eve, who you can see in She's Out of My League, and also British actress Haley Atwell, who was in the movie The Prisoner. Both ladies are going to screen test for a second time in London. I believe that happened today. So you guys can take that with a grain of salt. Um, I think Alice Eve would be good. She's already out there. She's got her name out there. She's going to be in Sex in the City, too. She's got a good buzz about her. She was in Maxim re- recently. So I-, I think she'd be the better candidate, but we'll see what happens after the screen test. We'll probably have a love interest announced by next week's show. Um, IGN recently caught up with producer Alex Heineman, who is going to be producing an update to Logan's Run and a movie about Hot Wheels. Yes, Hot Wheels. When asked about Hot Wheels, he goes, you know, we're still figuring it out. It's a tough one. Obviously, it has to be different from Fast and Furious, Transformers, and Speed Racer. We have to figure out what would make sense in a movie from the property. We're trying to figure out a way into it. How about this? Don't make a movie about fucking Hot Wheels. No one gives a shit. This is what I think of Hot Wheels. Driving them off a cabinet in my bathroom into the, into the bathtub when I was a kid. Stunt tracks. Tying skyrockets to them and seeing if they could go fast. No one gives a shit. You know what? It, it gets better. To close it out, and you guys can enjoy this, Tom Arnold, as well as Taylor Kitsch from X-Men Origins and John Carter from Mars, are both going to be in Universal's big screen adaptation of Battleship. Peter Berg is set to direct. It's going to be a massive naval adventure across the seas, in the skies, and over land, as our planet fights for survival against a superior force. Isn't that called Independence Day? Kish is set to play naval commander Alex Hopper, a spirited man who is a great seaman, but a lousy politician. This movie is semen. That's what it is. Movies about Battleship, Hot Wheels, Monopoly, Stretch Armstrong, Connect Four, Sorry, Life, what, any movie based on a fucking board game or a toy from my youth that isn't Transformers, Voltron, or G.I. Joe sucks. Well, you know what? If they made a movie about the Centurions and it was well done... I'd probably watch it because the Centurions was badass. But, but really, really, you guys, are you that devoid of talent in Hollywood? Has it come down to that? It's, it's, oh, God. That, that's how I'm really going to close out the movie news for this week. Battleship and Hot Wheels. Now, we've pretty much covered everything for the show this week. And before I wrap everything up, I want to talk about a couple of things. Last week, we had a uh, kind of a mini staff meeting, uh, Slick and myself. Um, my fiance actually, we discussed it over the weekend. And it's about something that's really been disturbing for the last few weeks. Um, my Take Radio, as you know, you can listen to on the Blog Talk Radio Network. You can download it from iTunes. You can get it from the Zoom Marketplace. You can... Uh, you can pretty much get it from a lot of places. You can listen to it live, of course. You can listen to it on the website. Uh, you can listen to it on MySpace if you go to the My Take Radio MySpace page. But one thing I'm noticing is a lot of people are listening. We've already surpassed 10,000 listeners. Uh, last month, the show was downloaded 475 times. Um, 
there's a lot of lot of people are in there watching, you know, visiting the site, going into the forums, listening to the show. But the uh, you know the interaction between the fans and and you know myself and Slick and some of the other staff members is really not there. And the question I pose to you guys is, you know, what what can we do? You know, what can my take radio offer you guys that'll that allow you to be more interactive with the site or the forums? Is there something we're missing, or did we drop the ball somewhere? As always, you can email me at mtrhost at gmail.com, or you could PM me on the forums or leave a comment on the site. But it's just something that was that came to our attention this weekend in discussing it that, you know, the numbers are really great. Uh, my Take Radio is being read in, in Italy, in Europe. You know, I mean, it's being read in England, Canada, the Netherlands, Brazil, just all over the place. The traffic is just astronomical and lo- a lot of great things, but the the fan interaction seems to be lacking for some reason, you know. So just as, as you know, it's not a, um, uh, how do you say, I'm not soliciting or any, you know, any crazy shit. I just, I just want to know from the fans, like, what's missing? Is, is there something, you know, that, that we're not offering? Is there something that we need more of, less of, um, you know, guest-wise, site-wise, forum-wise? Just, just what are we... What's missing that's not allowing you to interact with the show more? So, you know, that's, I guess you could call it the question of the week. You know, what, what, what can we offer you, the listener, that will allow you to um, enjoy everything that MyTake Radio offers? Of course, you can email us at mtrhost. You can email me at mtrhost at gmail.com or leave a comment in the forum about it. Um, that's why I, I'm working on the MTR social networking project. Um, maybe it's just in terms of, um, improving the approach and the interactions between listeners. I mean, a lot of people don't really want to join another forum, and I can understand that. But, um, you know, we put up a lot of content on a weekly basis. Um, considering the amount of traffic there is, you know, there should be more commentary from, from listeners, especially since the, uh, the offerings on the ciders are a lot more diverse from the, than the show. So, you know, definitely, you know, think about it. And if, you, if you're a regular listener, by all means, thanks for your support. But, you know, if you sporadically tune in or tune out, you know, drop me a line. Let me know what's up and, what you know, what we can offer you to, you know, have you stick around a little bit more, interact more with, with what we're offering. With that being said, that's pretty much the question of the week. And um, just want to give a, a few plugs. Um, of course, thanks to Razor Rob McCullough for coming in. You can check out his site, RazorClothing.tv. Um, of course, you can follow him on there. Hopefully, he'll be fighting in an organization soon. Of course, you can watch him on The Ultimate Fighter Season 11, Wednesdays on Spike TV. Um, that's, that, it doesn't get any better than that. If you're on Twitter, um, you can follow him at RazorRob, so look for him on Twitter as well. If you're on Twitter and you're not following My Take Radio, you should. If you're not in the forums, you should be. So definitely do all that. Um, shout out to the ladies at GirlGamer.com. Their episode has been downloaded now 125 times. Um, they're tied for second place with uh, the crew from Darksiders. The number one most downloaded episode to date is the Deadliest Warrior episode. So congrats to the ladies at Girl Gamer for that milestone. They will be back. Um, definitely a lot of great interaction with them, and, you know, they're great supporters of the show, so props to them. 
Thanks to the guys from MMAGospel.com for last week's really great MMA panel. Um, you can check out their show also on Wednesdays at 8 p.m. Eastern um, on Blog Talk Radio. It's blogtalkradio.com slash MMAGospel. MMAValor.com. Of course, Josh was here last week as a guest on the panel. He is offering a discount if you enter my take to buy any of the shirts on MMAValor.com. So stop by, check it out. There might be a T-shirt or two you like. So um, if you enter my take, you get 15% off the order. Uh, shout out to Rachel at MMAHotStuff.com, of course. Uh, Hayden Dalton, of course, from Darksiders. You can check him out at HaydenDalton.wordpress.com. And um, the crew at VGN Radio, of course, they were really great. VGNRadio.com, you can listen to them um, on the Blog Talk Radio Network as well. Um, you can check out the Beadcrack from MySpace Video Game Forum member Dementia. She makes some really great uh, bead crafts of some great 8-bit video game characters, definitely stop by. It's Royal Tresses, R-O-Y-A-L-T-R-E-S-S-E-S dot E-T-S-Y dot com. Uh, Cleveland Sports Radio, of course, on Sundays. Born Stubborn Radio. Uh, Soil did a great job. You're going to be seeing the My Take Radio business card uh, ready to rock and roll probably next week. Um, they will be going to print in a few days. Um, not something that's really show-related from a giveaway standpoint, but definitely something you're going to start seeing more of because there's going to be a larger presence, as you can see, Razor Rob um, coming in this week, um, trying to get something going on with Spike, something going on with Stars um, regarding Spartacus. A couple of things in the pipe. It's just a matter of getting it together, but these are some things you guys can look forward to. 411mania.com for their great wrestling news, MMA news, and movie news. OCRemix.org, which provides the kick-ass soundtrack that the show starts with every week. MMAJunkie.com for their MMA news, and FilmDrunk.com for their movie news. With that being said, folks, this is My Take Radio, episode 37, for Thursday, April 8th, 2010. Thank you guys for listening, and I will catch you guys next week. Of course, like I said, you can email me at mtrhost at gmail.com. You can follow the show on Twitter at twitter.com slash mytakeradio, or you can follow my personal account, which is twitter.com slash akuma25. On MySpace, MyTakeRadio has a presence there. It's myspace.com slash mytakeradio. And last but not least, if you're on Facebook, just look up mytakeradio. Um, we're already almost at 110 fans. Stop in, show your support, and become a fan. That's pretty much it. I'll catch you guys next week. It's been real. Thanks for listening. Peace.